So you want to make a difference? Yeah. Trust me, you're going to love it. And which branch are you interested in joining? I'm going to be a pilot. Best in the galaxy. Your name? Episode 219. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Joker here, the Clown Prince of Crime, and you're listening to my least favorite podcast, Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, let me get the better get the bumpers all pulled up here for the episode when I need to play those damn things. Otherwise, I'm going to be sitting there waiting on them. All right. Yeah, we are joined by uh, the Queen of the Leftover Army, Rebecca Daling. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Absolutely. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing good? Yeah, I'm doing okay. It's been <laughs> yeah. a fun Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, was that today? I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know it was yeah. today. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. What was that, Jake? Uh, all the hard hard work's over, and it's fun to relax and talk about all this stuff with you guys. Oh, shit. Looks like uh, Mission Impossible trailer for Fallout has just been released. Um, at Mission Film, I had them sign me up to like their, that's what's cool about Mission Impossible, like the Twitter, like they said, you can get signed up and when the trailer drops, we'll let, we'll notify you. They weren't fucking shitting. Wow, that is cool. They probably just showed the commercial. Yeah. Well, so we'll have to watch that on a break, come back and talk about that. I don't know, but I, I know not everybody likes the Tom Cruise, but I love the Tom Cruise, not like personally. But I love, I love the Tom Cruise movies, man. I, I don't care. It's like, and that, that last Mission Impossible movie was fucking incredible. And, you know, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, like, totally re-injected that franchise. I thought it was dying, you know, like, they'd done everything. Simon Pegg's in there now. And Rebecca Ferguson, like, single-handedly, like, rejuvenated that whole franchise for me. And uh, she's back for this next one. And Henry Cavill and his glorious fucking mustache are in the movie. <laughs> I cannot wait. I I love these Mission Impossible movies because they are – I you know, the Fast and Furious franchise has its fans. 
but the stunts are over the top. And I know, Rebecca, you're a huge fan. Jake, you're a big fan. Yeah, I, yeah, I like it a lot. I dropped off after Tokyo Drift, and I, it's one of those things that I'm like not against Fast and Furious movies. I just need to start watching them again um, because I do, I do like that kind of fun. But the, oh, yeah. the yeah. Mission Impossible stuff, as crazy as it is, it seems a little bit more grounded, and the stunts are just spectacular to watch. Like the new stunts that they come up with uh, all the time for for Tom Cruise to to do are just unreal. And Tom Cruise, as far as like stunts, he's kind of like the uh, oh, what's his name, the magician guy, uh, the fucking the weird one. I can't even think of his fucking name now. David Copperfield, oh, Chris, Chris Angel. Now you've named off two. And it's not Blaine? The, yeah, Blaine, David Blaine. He's like the David Blaine of action stunt stars. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Because, you know what I mean? Oh, man. Because like David yeah. Blaine does some crazy shit like, you know, like sitting on ice and like balancing himself on top of like the Empire State Building or whatever the fuck for like a couple days. He does some weird fucking shit. I know he didn't do that one. But like Tom Cruise does crazy stunts too, holding his breath underwater, hanging off the sides of planes. And I, I that's what I, that's, I think these Mission Impossible movies for me are just like a summer event, and I can't wait for this new one. Yeah, I agree. This is fun stuff. I want to talk about this. I think I dropped off on four, but not because I didn't like it. I think that was the Brad Bird, Philip Seymour Hoffman one was the last one I saw. Okay, yeah. So how many yeah. have I missed? Have I missed two or three? The J.J. Abrams one was the three. And then yes. you're and talking the about four. The next one. You've missed one. You've missed one. And that's honestly, that's the one with Rebecca Ferguson. And it's, she is so fucking good in that movie. Her and Cruz have great chemistry, man. They're really good. Yeah. yeah I liked them all except two. I, it was the John and I, John Wu, John fucking Wu, right? It did not work. It oh, it's like terrible. Snowed, tropey, the doves and the slow yes. motion motorcycle yeah. dives. Yeah. And it like, like ignore that one, and everything you just said made sense about the franchise. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. Two is John Woo. Oh my god, I can't stand the John Woo stuff. Like he he made I love like World War Two movies until yeah. I until I saw Wind Talkers with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> it, oh god, oh my god, terrible, terrible. And I'm, I'm hard boiled like, is great though. Like I can't hard boiled is good. Yeah, oh, I know. No, he became yeah. he became a how do I say this? Um, like his movies became like a caricature of himself. It's or yeah. I don't know what I'm looking it's almost for. Almost like the Tim Burton effect. In yeah, a way. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know I, I the dubs and all that stuff because he did the Face Off, right? Oh yeah, I yeah. love that movie. I mean, it's so terrible. It's oh, good Jake, I, I think I think that one it doesn't hold up. Unfortunately, <laughs> I loved it too, man. I loved it too back in the '90s, but it just does not hold up. And it's a damn, I, if you've tried to go back and like watch that within the past few years, it just does not hold up, man. Oh, I need to revisit Face Off. Oh, it's it was terrible ridiculous. now. It's terrible now. Yeah, but when I, oh, when they first, when that movie first came out, I fucking loved it, man. And like Tra- Travolta was at like his peak. You know, he was cool as fuck back then. And uh, Nicolas Cage was awesome back then. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. So I am looking forward to, have you seen the, 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 the trailer for uh, Mandy? Well, I don't know what that is. It's the it's the Nicolas Cage film um, that's coming out. It's like a he's like the uh, he's holding the chainsaw and the poster and everything. <laughs> Aren't you selling me? Yeah, it's <laughs> it looks. I it uh, I, I think it premiered at the uh, that was it the Sundance Film Festival. So now, yeah. now hold 
Hold on. Are there sharks involved? Oh, because no. Because if this is a Sharknado, Nick Cage crossover, I am there. No, they, there's the uh, Deep Blue Sea 2 is coming out. It's coming straight to yeah, video, though. So. Are you shitting me? Is it Remy no. Harlan? <laughs> it's coming out straight. It's, going, it's like a straight to video. Is it, is it Remy? Is it Remy Harlan doing I have it? Or no, is it just... I have no idea who's involved creatively. <sighs> that poor guy. That poor guy. Ever since Cutthroat Island, he put blacklisted. Oh, fucking Cutthroat Island. Oh, my oh, God. What a terrible For months, movie. My, that's all my dad was talking about. Fucking Cutthroat <laughs> Island and that movie coming out. I can't wait to see it, Brian. It's got pirates and everything and Gina Davis. I think my dad had a hard-on <laughs> for Gina Davis. And then that, wow. movie, that movie came out and it was terrible. So she was fucking kick ass in the long kiss goodnight though. Oh my god. That movie destroyed um what was the company? Carlico, I think. Really? Oh yeah, yeah oh, Carlco. Yeah, right? yeah, that's how you say it. Yeah. It made it it like helped put the Terminator stuff back. Like the that stuff would have came out sooner if it wasn't for how much that movie tanked. <laughs> wow. And this is we're talking about none of the things that I thought we'd be talking about at the beginning of this episode. So but I don't yeah, care. I'm having fun. I'm having fun. <laughs> I'm having fun too. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I got sidetracked by uh, the Fallout the announcement, Mission Impossible Six. Anyway, uh, wanted to uh, make this announcement: Pop Culture Leftovers. It's been on Spotify for a while, but it's. I just want to officially announce it since I haven't. Um, PCL is officially on Spotify. So if you like Spotify, you can catch us there. Um, let's uh, jump into the iTunes reviews for this week. If you guys are ready for that, yes. All right. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck Cause we really love to hear Just how much we suck Guys, Chris Dubach And your host is a jerk I'm an opinionated asshole Whose dick don't work Yada yada blah blah Fuck you too These are iTunes reviews Alright, uh, first iTunes review Comes from uh, Galuptuous Geek uh, It's titled Beth, Best Hearthstone Podcast Ever and uh, goes on to say, I love these guys. They're funny, engaging, and they keep me up to date on everything pop culture related. If I'm being honest, hearing Brian get upset about Hearthstone is the only thing that even brings me joy anymore. In a world of people eating Tide Pods and Jumanji beating a Justice League movie in the box office, make pop culture leftovers your oasis, nay, your sanctuary from the other things that really don't matter. Review is a one star because your Star Trek Discovery review was a week late. So he gave us a one star. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a classy one star review. Yeah. I don't 100% get where it's coming from. I don't get if they're coming from the side that they like it when you rail on me about Hearthstone because they also hate Hearthstone or if it's just, you know, I just or if they a, also like Hearthstone. They probably like Hearthstone. It's probably okay. one of those things. It's Or they probably just in, like... They probably listen like listening to me suffer as I have to listen to you talk about something that I don't care anything at all for. Like like with every fiber in my being, I don't care at all, you know? And then I, know, I, I hear it's, yeah, it's hard. and you're talking about the level and like all and I'm just like, God, somewhere out there there's some asshole that's gonna get on Twitter and tell me that it does matter to them and they're glad that they heard you talk about it. And I, I hate that person too with every fiber in my being as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and to your credit, I'm in on that joke too. I tried to say the most boring thing possible when I, I was put yeah. on that spot on. <laughs> well, uh, success. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next one comes from uh, 
How do you feel? Do you, do you like do you like him giving us the one star there for that? Is that is that a, you, is that earned? I, you know, I don't know. If they're really a Hearthstone fan, I'd like to battle them for the stars. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. You, you, I just <laughs> it does hurt the show. People just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one uh, comes from uh, Mino Franco, and uh, it's uh, titled "The Farce Awakens," and it goes on to say. I rate it full portions. Uncar plus. No. Yes. <laughs> oh, so Uncar plus. We got uh, we got four star there from uh, Mino Franco. <laughs> four portions. Four portions. Wow, let it. Like, geez, usually it's either five or I guess the one was a one, but yeah. the four star is always weird for me. Yeah, either it's you know either it's a five or it's a one that's supposed to be a five. You know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we, we would like the five portions. We're hungry guys. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you know, honestly, I don't even give a shit anymore. Just, <laughs> I don't fucking care. Um, I'll do the pandering this time. Yeah, I, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> I got you. Like by the end of this episode, you guys are gonna be talking me off the ledge. <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> I don't, no, Brian. <laughs> I just don't no, fucking, stop, come back. I don't fucking care. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Rusty Sheriff's Badge. Love that. That's uh, If you don't know what that is, Rusty Sheriff's Badge is another way of talking about the brown round, the the, the brown eye, the, the the butthole is what the Rusty The starfish. Sheriff, yeah, the starfish. The chocolate starfish. Um, <laughs> uh, this is uh, It's titled My New Fave. And uh, Rusty Sheriff's Badge goes on to say, I absolutely love this podcast. I thought th- I still think Brian needs to rewatch The Last Jedi to really grasp the hate, but I digress. The scope, oh shit, I lost it. There we go. The scope they cover is enormous. Gaming, comics, film, TV, radio and podcasts. Those beady-eyed little creepy Funko poop toys. The only thing I'd change about this glorious shit show would be to list content with the timestamps in the description. I enjoy the whole show. And they love telling people to F off regarding advertised content, but this would easily be a top 10 podcast if they do that. If I'm a comics guy or a gamer or a Netflix series guy, I'm not waiting through five hours to find what I'm looking for. Post this stuff, guys. Fortunately, as I'm a sad, uh, fortunately, uh, I'm a sad human as you two clowns, uh, and I enjoy the entire show. Uh, P.S. I think you guys should review Pan's Labyrinth on a short one-off, a nice precursor to Shape of Water winning all, though Sally Hawkins was ridiculously amazing, shouldn't be so revered. So that comes from uh, Rusty Sheriff's Badge. Holy crap, that is one long iTunes review. I'm not a fan of the length of that. Yeah, and of course you're not. Um, yeah, if you could give me timestamps for your iTunes review as to when you're going to wrap it up, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I had so many points I wanted to bring up about the stuff you said, but then by the end of it, I was like, I don't even know what was going on anymore. Yeah, I was totally cool with like, yeah, ass kissing, ass kissing. Maybe give me a timestamp for Sally Hawkins. End it. <laughs> right? Oh, man. So what's up here? Or I guess we have option A. You know, we also like to tell people that ask for timestamps to fuck off or. I don't know. No, it's, it's the thing. You got to understand, like, I honestly, if I could, I would. Like, if I could, if I had the time to sit around and listen to our podcast and, and get timestamps. And if I gave a fucking shit, I would do that. Like, yeah. but I'm not, you know, it's like, it's like if this was my job, Jake, then I would do it. I would do it. I would do it. I would have all the time in the world 
to sit around and listen to fucking three, four fucking hours and write down at one hour and one minute, we started talking about the solo trailer. I, I just don't, Jake, I don't have time. I don't have time to fucking sit around with a pad of paper and listen to our bullshit. And, and then on top of everything, then I got to <laughs> upload the episode. Why don't we get a toady to do it? That shouldn't be hard. No, no, I wouldn't want to put it on anybody. I want to get the episode oh, up. Geez. No, I want to get the episode up and out there for somebody, for people to listen to sooner. And we could put it up on the website after the fact. Like you get the episode. We could also have this conversation totally off air. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this could be a totally off air conversation that doesn't happen like right now in the podcast episode. Well, now some toady will have heard this and they'll instantly volunteer and smile and be happy about do it and uh, say thank you sir may i have another no i'm not down with it man i'm not down with it you know what else i'm not down with pop culture OPP. Left- hold on yeah yeah you know me but anyway popcultureleftovers.com has pretty much in the past couple of weeks it's become the dumping ground for some of the biggest fucking idiot listeners of our show to have their voices heard and i'm actually kind of loving it so this uh this is about episode 215 i got somebody left a message on popcultureleftovers.com this has to do with episode 215 where we talked about jodie foster and her comments about superhero films and it didn't i know jake you weren't on that episode and and rebecca you had to leave early but it was me dan and jesse um, mm-hmm. I'll talk about what I said, but here's the – this comment was actually left on um, episode 217 under that one. So if you go to popcultureleftovers.com and you click on episode 217, it's under the comments there from – it's from Tracy Ferguson. Um, and she goes on to say uh, – or, or Tracy Ferguson or Melissa.cook at yahoo.com. She's having an identity crisis. She don't know who the fuck she is. Um, she's Ooh. either Melissa or Tracy. She don't know. Um, but anyway, she goes on to say, hey, Brian, I'm a longtime listener. I agree with 90% of everything you say. Unfortunately, that was before you became the next Harvey Weinstein. You are without a shadow of a doubt a man pig. Jodie Foster is one of the greatest in the film industry. Your little podcast wouldn't even exist without her contributions. And you, man pig, have the audacity to condemn her on her beliefs of the state of film. You, just another suppressor of women voices. Can't you for one second take your mouth off of your fanboyish dick? Hold on. Can I... Hold on. I'm gonna, can I stop right there? I had to hit my mute button during that. Hold on. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going I'm to put a little bit – I'm going to shine a little light on that sentence here. Can't you for one second take your mouth off of your fanboyish dick? Number one, you're giving me way more credit to say that I can suck my own dick here. But, Damn. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, that, I don't know. Anyway, do you think that that's really what you wanted to say here? Do you have a giant cock? I guess so. I thank you. <laughs> thank you. No, it's awesome. Like that's all. That's all. Like that's all I went to in this whole thing. It's like it after definitely I, gets less flattering <laughs> from here. Well, after I got done reading it, I was like, man, she thinks I have a huge penis. Thank you. That's all I got from it. Anyway, uh, she goes on to say the comic book genre isn't everything the art of film has to offer. You little piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> She's why? talking about your size, not your penis. Why Why don't you get a black Sharpie and make a little mark under your nose? You have single-handedly become Weinstein and Hitler in one podcast. And yeah, go ahead and delete this, you bastard. But you will never stop the Me Too movement. 
if, if you want if you want to keep me as a listener you and that prick. Owen, Owen, we really do. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, don't leave us. If you want to keep me as a listener, you and that prick Jay need to apologize to Jody Foster. Jay, <laughs> I Jay, like how I skirt away. I'm like behind the bush, like peeking here. Jay hasn't, even, <laughs> Jay hasn't even been on an episode in a year and a half. Like, what are you talking about? Anyway, uh, and thank, and thank her for her great films and really look past your stupidity and see that there is no superhero movie that comes close to eclipsing a perfect film like any of her films. Pig. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Like, First off, so much. If this is your first episode ever, everything that this person has written here is untrue. Um, to be quite honest with you, if you go back, honestly, I feel like this is somebody who didn't even listen to the episode and just guessed at what I would say. Like, they probably just looked at the description for 215 where we talk about Jodie Foster's comments and they probably just assumed that I would stick up for superhero films and bash Jodie Foster because that every statement in here is untrue. Like that's not even what happened on the episode. I had to basically play devil's advocate in that episode and try to cause Dan, Dan uh, and Jesse were basically both against like what she said and, like, I don't blame superhero films, but I think that I was the one that was saying, like, she probably is upset with other studios trying to chase the expanded universe and these big these big expanded universes that it's actually hurting other film studios. Like, so I was actually – I don't understand this, like, where this came from. This is so bizarre yeah. to me. Yeah, that's a valid point, too. Hopefully that is what she meant. So, so yeah, that it's so. This is so crazy. This gave me one of the biggest laughs of the week. Oh God, this. I was dying because like none. I didn't say any of this. I never <laughs> said anything bad against Jodie Foster. And even in the last episode, when you guys mentioned her, I I I shut up. I didn't say anything. I had said everything I wanted to say about her comments, and I never I. I never said anything like this. This is insane. You people are no, fucking I'm sorry, nuts. Jodie Foster does not have the perfect resume when it comes to films. Oh no, no. But I mean, she's made some good stuff, and she did like her Black Mirror episode this year was really good. But um, you know, I I like her as an actress, and and typically I like her movies. But you yeah, know. me too. I like her too. But yeah. by no means has it been a perfect record. Yeah. Yeah, Rebecca, you got anything to say? Well, I. I remember listening to the rest of that episode yeah. because I, I wasn't able to participate in in the conversation. And I remember being surprised at your being on the other side of that issue. And I was like, wow, I'm, I didn't expect that from Brian, but he's bringing out good points here. Um, yeah, this, I agree. I don't think this person listened to I the actual either. conversation. I don't. Because obviously like, if she just listened, she would have heard that you counterpointed everything that Dan and Jesse were saying. Yeah. So it's like, this is the dumbest thing ever. And, and by the way, um, uh, I, I'm not speaking for every single woman on the planet, but for, for this woman who has done shows with you many times, I, you are not trying to stop the Me Too movement. I would just like to say that. I never felt that you've tried to stop the Me Too movement. So there's that. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm right. I'm right there with you as far as like, like I said, I, I don't feel like the, I feel like the person read the description of the episode 
and made an educated guess as to how they thought that I would side and right. didn't even listen to it because they, they had already made their mind up that the only reason that I'm bringing this up on the podcast is to bash her. And it's not true. Go back and listen to it. Um, and then never, never listen to another episode of this podcast ever again, because, um, if you're going to jump to those conclusions, you are a fucking psycho. You're a fucking psychotic person. And I don't want you listening. <laughs> and you know what? Everybody, and I, I didn't delete it. I, I love this shit. Um, when you people are crazy and you send me crazy shit like this, I'm not going to read every single fucking one of them because I don't want everybody to get carried away and just do it for shits and giggles. <laughs> yeah, but on the flip side, when it's shit like this, oh, I'm definitely going to read it on the podcast. I don't shy away from this stuff. You guys are giving me fuel for awesome stuff to talk about and just – I mean, uh, just we can talk about how ignorant some of you are. Um, and this is like a prime example of uh, idiocy right here. Um, and Jay hasn't been on the show for a year and a half. I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about there. So, um, but yeah, let's, uh, I guess. Yay, yay for trolls. <laughs> and, oh, and then also on the website, we got uh, uh, this comment for the bonus uh, Friends versus Foes episode that we did. And it's from Ryan Johnson's pretentious cock at pretentiouscock at gmail.com. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love this already. <laughs> and, it, and it says the last Jedi was garbage. Admit it. You know it's true. So thank you, pretentious cock. Um, yeah, thank you, pretentious cock. That's like, good. Hey, at least I can put my fanboyish mouth on mine. That's all I'm saying, right? Well, do you think do you think a pretentious cock has like a turtleneck sweater on it? Hmm. Are you, is that a what? condom? Are you talking about condoms? Like, what are you talking about? Like, how how does the cock become even more pretentious? Oh, thinking of ways. to NPR. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one too. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, let's jump into um, let's jump into our discussion. I want to start off the episode. I'm not going to bury it like in Star Wars news at the end of the episode. I want to jump out from the gate and I want to talk about the Han Solo trailer. And if we got if you guys want to rate it, that's fine. I'll play our rating system for everybody. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Yeah, this Han Solo trailer dropped in the day, like literally right before the episode, before we record this, threw a monkey wrench into, the whole, into my whole episode, Jake. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I didn't think it was going to happen so early. I was yeah. kind of thinking they'd do it right before halftime or something. Yeah. Like they yeah. do a lot of the bigger spots. Yeah. Yeah. See, the thing is, like, I already had like the artwork done for the episode, you know? So now I got to change that shit up. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Now, now, and I got to do timestamps. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you we'll get a Toby for that. <laughs> God, uh, let's see here. No, he he makes a good point, Jake. He does. Like, if somebody wants to, like, they don't they don't want to like wade through our stuff, man. He makes a good point. I just, I, Jake, I just don't have the time. I don't have the time. No, for dude, that. the Toady will do it. We'll post it to the website after. No, it, uh, no, I, uh, uh, I'm not. No, I'm not putting the. Sh- I'm not putting our show in the hands of somebody waiting around for them to get done with that shit. No, I'm not doing it. Anyway, so Han Solo trailer, um, a lot of detractors for this film, a lot of people, I don't care, I don't want to, I don't give a fuck about the Han Solo trailer, I don't care, I don't need it, Why? I don't need, I want new stuff, I want new Star Wars stuff, I want, I want new things, 
Jake, let's talk about this. So we finally got it today. Uh, was it worth it? Did you like it? What are you thinking, man? Talk to me. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm like, I'm kind of quasi in the camp that you just described, but I, I do want the Han Solo movie. Yeah. I get my bitterness came when the, the shuffling happened yeah. with Lord and Miller and Ron Howard coming on. Yeah. So that's kind of what's giving me the sour taste in my mouth. And it's just a little bit weird that it's taken so long for them to show us official anything as far as images from this movie. Right. You know, so just those two things combined has just kind of made me weary. But I got to tell you, when I saw this, um, I'm going to give it a high taste. It, it it got me really excited. I thought it looked really cool. It, it felt like seeing Star Wars, brand new Star Wars again for the first time. And it's, you know, oh, man, the the chewy Pat and Han in the back moment gave me the tingles. Mm-hmm. And I thought I thought this was really great. I'm really pumped to see the full two minutes tomorrow. And I I think I could very potentially Tupperware it. Is that good? Are we um, going to get that full two I'm minutes pumped. during the Good Morning America stuff? Yes. I've already got this set up to record. So, uh, Jake, we should definitely do a bonus episode this week talking about that, too. So, Yeah, 100%. I, yeah. I wish we could do it right on the ball, but I work a stupid schedule Monday. But I'll be ready on Tuesday for it. Sounds good. Uh, Rebecca, what did you think about this this uh, teaser trailer? Yeah, I um, I, I liked it. I, I'm not like a Han Solo movie hater. I'm sort of split down the middle in like... I'll see it. I don't hate the idea of it. I'm not in love with the idea of it. Um, but I think it's a good idea, um, to show us a, a nice Han Solo story. Um, I, I liked it a lot. I will, I think I'll give it a taste it. Not, not quite a high, but I'll give it a taste it. Um, I do agree that the, the end little clip of, of Chewie patting Han on the back was like, Oh, that's so sweet. I, I love that. Um, I, I I do think I'll probably like the full trailer a lot more, but for a teaser, I think this was this was just fine. Um, I I don't know about you guys. I loved it. I, I got chills. I'm I'm also gonna give it a high taste. It of course. Um, it's I mean we got to see got to see a little bit of Lando. Got to see Chewie at the end there. Uh, I don't know if that scene that we saw of him looking at the Falcon was the first time he's seen the ship or not, but we got that, mm-hmm. and I was like that kind of gave me chills. Um, the scene on the, you know, the little bit that we saw of Woody Harrelson got me really excited. He looks like a scum and I cannot wait for the, to, to, to meet that character of Beckett. Um, what else? What else? Uh, the train, that train, the design on the train, the way it was. Oh, that was cool. That was, was, that, that was pretty cool. Yes. Uh, which also, they're showing us that action scene that takes place on the top of the train, which also means that when the train does that little spinny bullshit thing, it means they gotta hold on tight. And I can't wait for that action scene. That looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun. Cause I can imagine, um, enemies and villains getting flipped off of that train. Um, it reminds me of Han Solo meets Indiana Jones, and I can't wait to see that. That's gonna be a lot of fun um i agree i i was surprised at how much we got here for the teaser like yeah. we knew it was coming but i really expected more along the lines of what they did for kind of episode seven and eight where we just kind of saw flashes and yeah. imagery yeah. for what we're going to see the next day yeah but this was this was a nice little morsel i did not expect <laughs> yeah. that uh we got a quick shot of kira not a lot to go on there but that's uh of course that's uh amelia clark's character um, got that little robot doing whatever the fuck that little robot was doing. Yeah, more cool robot stuff. Yeah. I was glad to see that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm really excited for this. Like, I this could actually change to a Tupperware for me. The excitement for me is a Tupperware. I I am one of the very few people that are looking really looking forward to this movie and want this movie very much. Um, yeah, this made me smile as much as I did. As much as I might have been procrastinating against it, making me smile. Mm-hmm. 
thinking, you know, fuck it if it didn't make me smile. There's so, a lot. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to for me to look forward to as a Han Solo fan. You know, meeting Chewie for the first time. Um, you know, meeting Lando and and forming that friendship. And you know, since we didn't get those things in the new films that are coming out, you know, Han the spoilers, Han dies in the Force Awakens. It's going to be nice. To, even though it's not. Harrison Ford in the role anymore. It's going to be nice to see this character and like where he came from and, and learn more about him. And, and, uh, I do want to see Corellia and, and, and these different planets that they've been talking about. Um, and, uh, just a, just a nice six year period of Han's life. And I, I think it's going to be a fun movie. So I'm, I'm, yeah. Hey, Brian, do you think we're yeah. going to get full frontal Alden in the, in the two minute trailer? I hope so. I really do. I really do. Yeah, I, me too. I think that I'm that was surprised. Yeah, I think that's part of the tease here, though, right, guys? Is like that they're saving I'm, that for I'm tomorrow. I'm hoping so. I, yeah. I'm curious though if they're going to go all the way with it and maybe wait till another trailer before we see the full frontal all. Yeah, yeah, man. Hey, did you guys ever notice? Like, and I, I, I maybe I mentioned this on another podcast. I know I mentioned it on the Facebook page, but um, with as many times as I've seen the death scene in The Force Awakens, when he does fall off the the platform and he's falling down if if you watch him the further he gets there's a point where his body's turning as he's falling and he's doing that classic Han Solo where his knees are bent and he's got his he's in that pose where he's shooting his blaster that's interesting now that you say it I can see it yeah there's oh yeah you could like watch the watch the movie. It's it's it pays homage to the character even when he's dying. Like the classic Han, when he's fought when he when Kylo kills him and he's falling down. Um, there's a point where his body turns and he's in the classic pose where he's shooting the blaster, and it's it's actually so cool. It's so fucking cool. Oh, I kind of rewatched that. Yeah, I don't it, remember seeing that. Oh, it's there. It's there, and it's. Oh, it's, I believe you. Yeah, it's I'm awesome. It yeah. All right, so I yeah, hopefully we can do a bonus episode this week and talk about the the trailer in more detail because like right now we're just going off of like literally just seeing it half an hour ago. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, damn it, if I'm not excited though. Yeah, me too. All right, let's move into good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. All right, Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read, and we already went over the rating system, so let's jump into what we've been watching this week. I um, got totally caught up on a comedy that I love. Uh, Shit's Creek on Pop TV is also on Netflix, and this show is just one of the funniest. If you're a Rested Development fan, I think you'll like this. It's not quite as... Um, it's not quite as detailed as like Arrested Development as far as like the storytelling, but you know, you don't have to pay attention as much like as, as you would if you watched like Arrested Development, but there, there's, it's a, it's so good. It's a uh, Eugene Levy. A lot of people know him from SCTV. Um, you'll remember him as the father of Jason Biggs character in the American Pie films. It's also got Chris Elliott in this, Catherine O'Hara, the mother from Home Alone. She was also SCTV alumni. Um, and yeah, I love this cast. Dan Levy is also in this. This is Eugene Levy's real son. His daughter, Sarah Levy, is in it. This cast is just phenomenal. And this show on Pop TV is the only reason to watch Pop TV. The first three seasons are on Netflix, and I think they're 13 episode seasons, and you can burn through them. It's, it, it, they're so much fun. And, and I'm telling you, the more you keep watching this, the more you'll fall in love with the characters. Um, by season three, you'll be just, 
laughing at the characters and um, some of the things they say. Dan Levy, there's Catherine O'Hara commands that you watch her. She's that funny. She's that talented. She just commands that you watch her. But like, if you're watching the show, you can watch Dan Levy's reaction to Catherine O'Hara in some of these episodes, and you can see him put his hand over his mouth trying not to laugh because she's that fucking animated and funny. Um, I love her so much. <laughs> she's great. And then season four started on Pop TV, and four episodes are out, and I've watched all four of the episodes. This show is a topperware all the way. I love Shit's Creek, and that's it's spelled S-C-H-I-T-T-S. And um, Chris Elliott plays the mayor of the town of uh, Shit's Creek. He plays the mayor. His name is rolling shit <laughs> it's just it is so funny so i recommend that everybody watch like the first three seasons on netflix um and um if that's because i don't i don't get pop tv i had to watch it other ways but um i've been watching still been watching no activity the tim meadows comedy on cbs all access it's the only way you can watch it it's got him um uh, who else is in it? Jesse Plemons is in it. Uh, Will Ferrell's been in the last two, three episodes. This is a Tupperware. This, this show is fucking hilarious. I love it. Um, it's basically just two police officers on a stakeout and nothing happens. There's no activity. And it's just Tim Meadows and another guy talking. And it's really, really funny. Um, and then the last show I wanted to talk about is Glenn Howerton's. Um, new comedy on NBC with Patton Oswalt. It's called AP Bio. I'm going to give this one a taste it right now. I love Glenn Howerton and I love It's Always Sunny. And I'm a huge fan of Caitlin Olson and the Mick on Fox. That is a Tupperware all the way. This just isn't quite doing it for me yet. It, it has moments that are hilarious, laugh out loud moments, but I, I don't know, man. I think that Glenn Howerton's better served on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and better served not on network television. Um, and if he was on network television, I'd rather it be on Fox. I feel like they can get away with a lot more. And um, I don't know. I like this show. I'm going to continue to watch it. The first three episodes are on Hulu, um, and they're also on the NBC app. And I think the show is going to start up on regular, regularly on, from what I'm hearing on NBC, sometime in March. So I think it comes back to NBC on March. But you can watch the first three ep- – they only aired the first episode um, this week on Thursday on NBC. And episodes two and three are on the app as well, on Hulu as well. So uh, I think it is coming back to NBC though in March though. But it, it's OK. I, I, I think that some people will like this a lot more than I did, but – yeah. That's too bad. At least he's coming back for Sonny, though. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, he's coming back for Sonny, which is fantastic. I, but, uh, if you like Patton Oswalt, if you like Glenn Howerton, um, you want to support these guys, definitely watch the show. I, I, I love both of them. I have some other things that I want to talk about, but I'll let you guys jump into your week and what you've been watching. Um, Rebecca. So, uh, just to continue what you were saying about AP Bio, yeah. I actually watched the first episode as well of of that show. Um, I thought it was really, really funny. I think I liked it more than you did. I think um, I, I thought the whole premise was hilarious. That this guy uh, lost his tenure and now he's stuck teaching AP Bio and like uh, what? Where is he? Uh, Toledo, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and, and he's just, I mean, he, he, he knows nothing about AP Bio because he's like a philosophy teacher, and he's got the kids, like, doing stupid stuff in the class, and he's like, if you just do what I tell you, I'll give you all passing grades. Um, I thought, I, I laughed out loud a lot during this show. I, I would give it a high taste. Oh, really? Okay, well, um, that's good. Yeah, I, I'm glad. I, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the, the, the humor worked for me, and I, I thought him and Patton Oswalt had really great, uh, like that awkward chemistry on screen. I thought that yeah. was really good. Um, yeah, I, I, I love all the little drawings he does, like to tell his students a story about yeah. what happened to him. <laughs> that stuff had me cracking up. I'm gonna, but, I'm, uh, I'm gonna continue to watch it. I'm a huge yeah. fan of Glenn Howerton. I love him. Um, he was actually uh, he tested for the role of Star Lord. Um, oh, interesting. Him and uh, another another guy that tested for it was Michael Rosenbaum, who you know, of course, played Lex. Right. You know, in Smallville, but, um. Both wouldn't have been terrible picks. No, uh, actually, uh, Michael Rosenbaum played one of the, uh, what was it? The Ravagers, uh, one of Stallone's, yeah. Sylvester Stallone's Ravagers in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, one of the original Guardians of the yeah, Galaxy. Yeah. I don't know, um, but yeah, it's comedy, I think, is like the most subjective thing, um. For sure. Absolutely. I agree so, 100%. Yeah. What, what, what makes me laugh is not going to make you laugh and vice versa. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But um, I'm going to continue to watch it because there's enough there that, that I did enjoy. And I think it is one of the better sitcoms that are on television. But, you know, I talked about Schitt's Creek and I just think like Schitt's Creek is like three, four seasons in. It's really like I know the characters and it's really hit its stride. I think for me, like the biggest thing is like I don't really I'm, I'm <laughs> the kid characters, like the, the, the child actors. Like I'm trying mm-hmm. to, I'm trying to figure all of them out because like we don't really we only get to see them like in the classroom environment. So, you know, they don't have a lot of layers. So I'm just hopefully as the show continues to go on, like. We'll get to know these characters a little bit better and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it has a potential. I'm glad you liked it a lot more than I did. I, I really am because I, I, I like these guys and I want people to like this show and I want it to stay, I want it to stay on the air. Um, because I, I don't know. I just don't like NBC and these other networks. They, they give up on some of these shows too quickly. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, what else okay. did you want to talk about? Yeah, I saw, so on Saturday, um, they re-released into very select theaters, uh, Silent Voice. Yes. Which, uh, is an anime that you talked about, I know, yes. and, uh, and raved about. So I went to go see it, um, it's, it, it's a Tupperware without a question. And I think, I think it was you, Brian, that said that you felt like it should be shown to students about yeah. anti-bullying. Yes. Is that, is that right? Yes. Okay, I do remember that. Then. This was also, I, I, this was also my animated movie of the year and my movie right. of the year for um, 2017. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, I was uh, – I, I, so I'm not like a huge anime person. I'm trying to get more into anime uh, little by little. And uh, so I went to go see this. I really, really loved this movie, and I would really encourage everybody that when it comes out on DVD uh, or it's it's available to you, however, definitely watch it because it really is a piece about anti-bullying. Um, you know, we see how, like, this, this young girl who's deaf comes to school, and this one boy in particular just, I mean, makes her life a living hell. Yeah. Uh, to the point that, I mean, he actually physically scars her. Besides emotionally scarring her, but he physically scars her and she has to move away. And then in turn, he 
Yeah. Come uh, don't 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 give away the lessons here. I I, I you know. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. I want you to I want you to talk about it, but I, I want the hype to be what gets people to to see this. Like, I, you're absolutely. I, I got you. I no, got you're. You. I I'm just. I don't know where you're gonna go, but I don't want you to give away too much. But I trust you. <laughs> so. I, pr- I promise I will not give away much more than what I'm about to say. Okay. And in the end, it's amazing the twist. No, I'm just yeah. um, so <laughs> no, so basically, it's it's this is a movie that I think yes, all kids should see. H- high school, junior high, even elementary school mm-hmm. kids should see, and I think adults should see it too with that lesson about anti-bullying, um, because this kid has to learn all of his lessons the hard way mm-hmm. and and it goes places that i did not see coming yeah and i and you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. i'm sure I do. so yeah. it, I, I don't want to give that away and this is a movie that will make you rethink mm-hmm. all of your choices you made in school and every kid that you said a mean thing to and every person on the internet that you ever called a name it's going to make you rethink it really, it really, really is. Well, and it's also and, another theme is forgiveness. Forgiveness not only absolutely. for others but for yourself. So. Amen. Like there were there were times. I mean, by the end of the movie, I was like openly sobbing Me in the too. theater, yep. and and it was just. And, and when you say about self forgiveness, there are people who, who say that they hate themselves and 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 i go but why do you hate yourself i don't understand and then when they say why it's like oh my god you've been carrying around that pain all this time Mm -hmm. that's what you've been and it if 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 you're on the other end of it if you're the one who's been bullied and carried around pain and self-anger and self-hatred i feel like this is a very healing movie i walked out of that theater and i felt like it had changed me yeah and yes. like, yes. and I don't, I don't say that about a lot of films, <laughs> but there are films that mm-hmm. I've seen that when it's over, I feel like a different person. Yep. And this is one of those movies. Thank God. And it's so, an I'm so happy that you saw this. I'm so happy <laughs> and, that you saw this. Oh, I am. And like, I, I texted you right after I yeah. got out of the theater. I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I saw this movie in the theater. And let me tell you something. There was not an empty seat in my theater. It was showing in one theater in Manhattan uh, at like 11 o'clock in the morning on a mm. Saturday. And I had to like schlep all the way out there, but um, it, it was not an empty seat in that theater. It was packed. Uh, that's how many people wanted to see this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm wow, so glad awesome. I saw it. Oh yeah, I, I would recommend this to everybody. Mm-hmm. Everyone should see a silent. Are you there? And I will say that going forward, I'm going to try to. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, you're back now. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I would just say, like, going forward, I'm more excited to look, to be, delve more into anime, which I, which I am trying to do. So, like, th- this movie really was a good kickoff point for me to, to get more into it. I'm so happy that you saw this. Oh, yeah, I am too. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, it is. I can't wait till this is more of a wider release and I can get a yeah. chance to see it. Yeah, it's, it is, um, you know, and I, Jake, I, I went to the, I went to the theater too and I saw Coco and it is a, it's a great animated film and it made me tear up and it had a great message and I, you know, I, I, I love everything about that Coco movie. So you've, for me to, to knock Coco down to number three on my best animated took a lot. I mean, it took, it took, you know, this movie, a silent voice and your name to, to knock that out of the winning spot. And, um, 
this this movie does change you. It's it, there are certain movies that like w- like when I'm feeling certain things that I will watch to make me feel better, and this is getting added to the list of of movies that I'll need to watch when when I'm in a certain mood, <laughs> when I need when I'm feeling bad about myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this is mm-hmm. kind of like one of my go tos. I have a couple other movies that you know that I watch every once in a while that I'll pull them out. Not so much that they don't have. It's not so much anymore that they don't have that meaning. That they don't. I, I just want to. When I'm feeling certain emotions, I'll I'll pull these movies out. And this is definitely one of those movies that uh, is getting added. Um, did you have anything else to say about it? Oh, about this movie? Yeah. No, no, it's it's a Tupperware. Everyone go see it. Yeah. Um, I really quick. I watched uh, The Shape of Water. Uh, nice. the, it's a. Uh, about it's a new Guillermo del Toro movie that got nominated for 13 different categories for the Oscars at a top secret research facility in the 1950s a lonely janitor forms a unique relationship with an amphibious creature that is being held in captivity uh Rebecca I know you've seen this Jake I have yeah did you get a chance to see it no, I did not. Okay, it stars Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon, Rick, Richard Jenkins, Octa- Octavia Spencer, Michael Stuhlbarg. And Doug Jones, of course, is the, uh, as the creature. Michael Stuhlbarg, man, just had a great year as far as being in some really good movies. The Post, um, this, and then, uh, Call Me By Your Name. What a, what a year okay. he has had, uh, as far as being in all these films that have been nominated. Um, I loved this movie. It is a Tupperware. I, I want to see this again in the theater. I, I loved it that much. Um, if you have a chance to see this in the theater, I highly recommend it. What did you What did you think, Rebecca? Oh, it's Tupperware, one hundred percent. I loved this movie. The creature design on Doug yes. Jones is oh my god! He's the same actor who's in Star Trek Discovery right now, yeah. the alien, and he was also um, in uh, Hellboy. He played. Um, yep. Oh God, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the character, but everybody knows who yeah, I'm talking he, about. He was in that, and I think he was in Pan's Labyrinth too, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on Abe, that. One. Abe Sapien. Abe Sapien. Thank you. Yeah, he. Um, I, I Tupperware this movie. I absolutely loved it. I thought Sally Hawkins did such a good job as far as like learning sign language and mm-hmm. making it believable. Yeah. Um. I mean, she did amazing work here. Octavia Spencer. I love her in everything. I'll see her in any movie, pretty much. Um. And, and of course, uh, I mean, the relationship, and I, I, I won't give it too much away, but like the, the relationship between her and the creature is just so well done. I loved the look and the feel of this movie. Like you felt like you were in the 50s. Mm-hmm. I, I, I loved that yeah, aspect yeah. of it. I think you. I think a movie is only as good as its villain. So I want to really, definitely, kind of like um, spotlight Michael, Michael Shannon here. Um, mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. was incredible in this film. Absolutely incredible. Um, and um, <laughs> at the end of the day, watching uh, Sally Hawkins' character frustrate the hell out of him was just one of the best things I've seen all year in in, in film. So. Um, I I thought she was fantastic in it, and I thought that they 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 really um, <laughs> they really made the other one that much better in their performances. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> you know. And uh, God, he was 
and this movie, some of the things that he did in this film kind of shined a light on what's kind of happening in Hollywood right now. Some of the interactions he had with her character, um, mm-hmm. some of the, you know, sexual advances and things like that. And, um, it, it, I, I'm telling you, like, you can't not watch this film and not think about like what's going on right now <laughs> in, in other, in other aspects of Hollywood, like with the Harvey Weinstein stuff and, and it's, and, and it kind of like, made me just for like I was thinking like thank god that there's kind of like a purge going on right now in Hollywood and they're getting rid of some of these some of these horrible people oh yeah amen so yeah Tupperware this movie it's a it's a great it's a it's a great story just a fantastic story and uh, Guillermo del Toro I hope he I hope he does um win director um I hope he does win it this year I think I, I think he deserves it um I it's really so do. awesome to hear you guys gush about this movie. I mean, really, I mean, he really needs this. He kind of had a little bit of a flop with the Crimson Peak yeah, stuff, and it's yeah. not really great. Uh-huh. He's such a creative mind, and it would be so disappointing well, the, if the, he is someone that was kind of blacklisted for a while. And also, it, it's one of those things where Universal was going to have him do their um, – you know, like some some of their their monster films, you know. Um, no, before all that got started. right, and yeah, then he, yeah. and then he got he was actually going to do like the Justice League Dark thing, and he got you know pushed out of that. He has so many projects that kind of like don't get greenlit, that don't get made, and so for like you know, I don't know, with all the bad luck he's had, and then for this movie to come out and just do gangbusters and just be such a great film. Yeah, for for me, I, I want to see this for him because I think he's I think that his passion, like if you've ever seen if you've ever heard him in interviews, especially when it comes to like some of these classic monsters and like nobody's and nobody's been able to keep them relevant. That, the Mummy was not good. And I mean, that's a movie that's headlined with Tom Cruise and um, he did it here. He did. It. He found a way to make it work and he found a way to to. To have, I don't know, just, I'd say like most people that watch this movie really love it. I don't, so I, I, I think hands down he's my choice, but I don't know. Well, well, you know, I think one of the things, one of the reasons why this movie has done so well with a lot of people is because he raises the question of what makes a monster a monster or, or what, what is a monster? Mm. Because at first glance, you might assume that the creature is a monster mm-hmm. because he looks scary. Um, but does that make him a monster? Michael Shannon, is he a monster or yeah. is he a good guy? And that's the question raised here. And there's even like a whole subplot um, with the neighbor that at the time people might think he was a monster because of how he felt about certain things, but does that make it true? And, and that's what I loved about this movie because it yeah. really made you question that. Uh, it's so good. I want to watch it again. <laughs> I can't, I can't wait to watch it again. It's so good. Um, and you're absolutely right. Like as, as far as like it looking and feeling like the 1950s, it does. And oh my God, like, some of the things that they they had Michael Shannon do, like suck on that candy, the whole fucking movie. I'm glad he addressed oh, that. Oh yeah, it was driving me fucking crazy, and him chewing on his pills the whole time, and his fucking fingers. Oh, oh that was so gross. Oh god, movie, that was so nasty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. Anyway, Jake, what do you what do you got this week? Man, you guys want to hear something really crazy? What's that? That um, the Cloverfield 
God Particle is going to be available to watch tonight on Netflix. What? Cloverfield yeah, I, Paradox I, I is available tonight to watch on Netflix. They just ran a Super Bowl commercial for it. Oh and at the end God. of the commercial announced that it's released tonight. Unreal. Oh, my God. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> I know. I got, I'm sorry. Just back no. on a text about it. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, I'm saying I, we're, I've got Cloverfield news this week. So we'll talk about it later. Absolutely. No, that's crazy. Crap, we, we can add that on to the Tuesday if you want. Yeah, we'll add that on to the Tuesday as well. Fuck it. Might as well. Um, that, sorry, that text distracted me. I was like, you gotta be, I thought it was a prank at first. No, that's nuts. <laughs> that's nuts. Jake, what do you got this week? Um, don't hate me. Can we take a break real quick? I knew that was coming. I knew it was coming. Oh, man, I'm fucking <laughs> dancing over here, dude. I had like two cups of coffee before we did this thing. I, Jesus Christ. You need a catheter is what you need. <laughs> so we can fucking do a podcast. I'm not going to do the prank right, thing, right. man. I'm not going to bucket it. I'm right. not, I'm not a heathen. Taking a break. We're taking a break. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt and the next thing you know you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying holy shit that freckled face fucker was right anyway the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link what that means is when you click on the link from their website it helps the show it doesn't charge you extra at all you just shop like you regularly would and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient. Just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. Alright, hey, we are back. Jake, how is your glorious break? Oh my god, I feel so much better. I'm like new Jake. Jake 2.0. Jake break. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Hey, Jake, what do you got this week for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Uh, I checked out the Netflix exclusive anime that they just added this week. I don't know if you guys have seen this on the menu. It's um, I'm going to butcher how they pronounce this. Uh, Kakagurie, I think is how it's pronounced. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. It means compulsive gambler. <laughs> so... Um, I just watched the first two episodes of this. I'm going to give it a middle-of-the-road taste it. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of interesting. I was really excited for it based on description because what it is, is is it's like a uh, school for gambling to learn about how to gamble mm-hmm. and odds and proposition bets. And just the description was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to see this. Oh, that's right up your alley, man. Yeah, but it, I don't know. It really it really hasn't done much for me yet. It's huh. a little bit long-winded on the exposition. It's like they they spend so much time explaining how different games work that I kind of was tuning out of it. Hmm. And it was a little bit over the top with some of the cheesecake stuff for really no reason. Um, I know I'm a huge fan of Food Wars, and I always tout that. Yeah. But I feel like that show, it's very self-evident that they're kind of in on the cheesecake joke. 
Yeah. And I felt like this show it was just purely for the sake of cheesecake, and that was a little bit annoying when I really just wanted to learn about this gambling school. There was some interesting stuff, though. It was kind of funny that almost all of the students were in debt to other students. I believe they said like 80% of the students were in debt to the other 20% of the students from gambling and compulsive gambling, <laughs> which was pretty hilarious. And, I mean, it was pretty neat. I'm going to probably watch. There's 12 episodes, and I'll yeah. probably stick with it and watch the whole thing. See, they're doing, uh, a, they're doing a lot of these different, like, uh, with the animes, I've noticed this, like, schools for whatever, like Assassin School or, you know, mag- yeah. Magic School. Now it's Gambling School, Cooking School. Yeah, I like it. It's, it's a yeah. fun genre. Yeah. Uh, Assassin one is pretty good too. That's the uh, assassination classroom. And that's yeah. actually a really good show I thought too. There, there's uh, like that's there's way like, better than this. There's like two of them that are uh, like assassin uh, assassin classroom animes. I don't know yeah, what the other I one's think you're called, right. but yeah. And the, like Rick Remender's doing a book. He's done it for the past few years called Deadly Class, which is actually getting optioned for television. Um, oh, so. that's, is it going to be animated or like a live action? Live action, live action. Oh, that, so that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, middle of the road taste it. A little bit disappointing for me. Yeah. I was maybe it'll get better, but I kind of feel its flow at this point. And um, but yeah, I'll stick with it. Cool. Anything else? Oh, that, that's all I got for this week, really. Right on. Hey, um, Rebecca. Yeah. Let's talk about Slut Ever. On- I cannot wait to talk about this with you, yeah. man. I watched the two episodes available. Yeah. I'm so ready to talk about this. Okay, <laughs> so I'm flipping through the channels the other night, you know. Every like, every once in a while I like to see, it's just kind of like, what's out there? And uh, I see this very clever title uh, on the Viceland network for this show called Slut Ever. And I'm like, what is this about? Um, and it's about, it's a, it's a, it's a 10 episode docu-series, um, from Carly Ciorentino. And, um, she, uh, here's the description. Sex writer Carly Ciorentino looks up down and inside to find answers that challenge outdated notions of female sexuality, gender, and love. Um, and, um, it actually stars Carly uh, Ciorentino. And basically, I found out, like, Slut Ever is a site that explores sexuality, relationships, pro-feminism, BDSM, sex work, sex parties, and a bunch of other slutty stuff as told from the front lines. Uh, Slut Ever was founded in 2007 by Carly Ciorentino. And uh, she also writes uh, Vogue.com sex and relationships column. Uh, breathless, and then she's also the author of an upcoming book, Slut Ever, uh, dispatches from an auton- autonomous woman in a post-shame world. And so I was like, oh, okay, let's, you know, maybe I'll watch the first episode. Let's see how it's doing on IMDb. And, uh, went to the, uh, Slut Ever page on IMDb, and I noticed that it was at a four, at the time, it was at a 4.3 rating, Rebecca. Um, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow. This is either really controversial or, and, and people don't like this or it's just really bad. So I wanted to find out for myself. I wanted to judge this show for myself and find out, um, what I thought about it. And the first episode was about happy endings, which like, wow, what an episode to, <laughs> to come out of the gate with, right? Um, yeah. basically it's Carly uh, as a, as a woman is searching for a happy ending. Like guys, for a happy ending for us, when you go to a massage parlor and you get a happy ending, it's, uh, basically just, uh, woman, 
jerking you off at the end of a massage. And she was trying to see if they had the equivalent of that for women um, and, you know, basically could guarantee uh, the female orgasm. Um what did, okay, we'll talk about episode two, and I'll actually talk about some of the subjects for the upcoming episodes, but Rebecca, I'm dying to hear about <laughs> what you thought about this show because, um, I have, I definitely have my own opinions, but like, w- what did you think about Slut Ever? Uh, it's, it's on Vice, Vice Network, Vice Land Network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when you told me about this show, I was like, yeah, I have to check this out and see what the story is. Yeah. I really like the show a lot. <laughs> I like the show a lot. She is okay. So the word slut obviously has been applied to women, usually by men, to describe a woman who sleeps around or has multiple partners or uh, is exploring her own sexuality, whatever. You, but for a man, it's usually oh that guy's a player, he's a ladies' man, he gets a lot of ass, whatever. It's it's usually a negative thing to women and a positive thing to men. So she's trying to take control of the word slut and apply it in a good way or in a positive way mm-hmm. and to say, I'm looking for my own satisfaction here and I'm not ashamed of it. And I applaud her for that. I absolutely applaud her for that. There's nothing wrong with being a woman and knowing what you want and going after it. And in that first episode... I, I mean, she explores that whole, and you said it, she explores that whole idea of like, a guy can get a happy ending at a massage parlor, can a woman get the same thing? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> With a guarantee. <laughs> with a with guarantee. guarantee that she's going to come. <laughs> a guarantee, which, okay, I, I, I understand, you can't really put a guarantee on the ladies part yeah. of it, and, yeah. and I get that. What did um, you think, what did you think about the, what did you think about, what, what do they call it, like vaginal mapping? <laughs> Oh my god, that guy! That guy was insane. Like, but you know what? Yeah. Okay, it, it was so silly because yeah. you know he's like, I'm gonna make a map of your vagina and and we're gonna, I'm I'm gonna touch you in places and then you're gonna tell me on a scale of one to three how it feels good, if yeah. it feels bad, whatever. But like the 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 lesson behind that was so important. What she was yes. saying was yes. that. It was that when it comes to the female orgasm or female sexuality, it has to be presented in a therapeutic or romantic way or else women are not going to want it. Right. That felt she said she said that that felt like going to a gynecologist. You know what? And let me tell you something. I've never had the vaginal mapping, but I've been to the GYN. And it looked that I felt like I was with her in she it yeah. was like going to the GYN. That's not it's not a turn on. It's not sexy. It's not enjoyable. Oh my it's god. It's ridiculous. And then that but, same guy has like meetings for other men where they talk about like the <laughs> <laughs> they seem so intimidated by the female orgasm. It's it, it kind of blew me away. I was like, "What the fuck? Like, is this like really a fear for you guys?" Did I lose? Did I lose you? Well, hello. I think we lost Rebecca. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> she must have got really scared. Imaginal mapping. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she found her own orgasm just now. <laughs> <laughs> On a delay. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I was like, Brian, are you going to say that or not? Ah, fuck it. She can't hear me. So <laughs> Yeah. She's officially gone. She, I saw her <laughs> number drop out there. We'll take it. We'll t- <laughs> you get yours, girl. Um, we'll be- <laughs> I can't wait till she hears this part over. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a pause and we'll be right back. All right, yeah, we got Rebecca back. Okay. I'm so good. sorry, goddamn computer. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> All right, go ahead. When it back. strikes, it strikes. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, this is like an inside joke I'm missing. I'm sure. So whatever. I'm gonna listen when it uploads, and I'll find out what y'all said. All right, all right. Okay, go ahead. So I I want to know what you as the, as a man thought about that therapy session with all of these men sitting around yeah. and talking about how they feel. Like they're worried about giving their woman an orgasm, and they feel like if they can't do it, it, it they, they're like all broken up about it. Like, what did you think about that? I thought, honestly, I thought I thought it was kind of silly, and I thought like those guys kind of. I, I thought it was. I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of silly. Like, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. that it's not good to talk about those things, but not to sit around in a, in a room of other guys and talk about your shortcomings with other guys. If you're going to talk about that kind of stuff, talk about it with your partner. You know what I right. mean? Like, you know, I mean, I don't know. I just thought it was, I mean, whatever. I mean, if that's, if that's what works for them, that's great. If that's what they need and if they need that kind of like self-confidence um, and to talk about it with other guys, I guess that's fine. Um, it's, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really see it as like progressive for men to do that. I, I feel like the answer is just talking with like your partner, you know? Right. So right. that's how I felt about it. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Like at first, I, I like watching it. Like at first, I thought it was a little silly. Yeah. But then, I, but then I was, I was actually really like touched by how these men were really worried about like satisfying their partner, and I thought that that was a good thing that they felt that way. But I, I, I think I, I agree with you that w- wouldn't that be better served as a conversation between you and your partner? to just ask like how can i how can i please you how can yeah. i make this better for you and but like the whole idea of like sexuality presented to women like it has to be like in a therapeutic or in a, like a romantic setting like if you even look at just something as simple as like like the erotic material that's pr- presented to men it's very straightforward right like yeah. here's a guy here's a girl let's bang and that's it it's over but like stuff that's presented to women is there's always a story there's always this romance behind it and the idea being that if there's not a romance and a story and candlelight and roses and chocolate and flowers like it's not going to do it for her and and while that might be true for a lot of women And I'm not going to deny that I want a little romance in my life, too. But she's just talking about how come I just can't have somebody get me off? And why is that such a bad thing for a woman to want? And I just thought it was an incredibly amazing topic to explore. Yeah. And I thought it was absolutely so well done. And, um, yeah, I mean, I want watch this episode as well but i'm gonna watch all the episodes because i just think this is so worth talking about yeah the second episode was about uh bdsm and basically about you know um 
Sato, like, uh, like, what do they have? Like, they had the dominatrix. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I hate to use the word, but that's what they are. They call themselves sex slaves and things like that. So that's basically what it was. And, uh, I thought that honestly, after watching that episode, I had a lot more kind of like respect for that whole community and like what they're doing. And, um, it's, it's all about, I honestly, I feel like uh, what they were having in, in those relationships, those BDSM relationships and those, the master slave relationship that they, that they have in those is a, a sometimes it's a lot more respectful than what you see in like what's supposed to be a Christian marriage. So, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Because they're honest, they're upfront and the other partner's not cheating on the other one. Everybody's very open. They're every, very, and they're very trusting in order to do the things that they do in the bedroom with the whips and all that stuff is it's very trusting and it's not always about sex either. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I, I, Rebecca, I'm going to tell you one thing. Um, mm-hmm. I love this show. It's a Tupperware. I love hearing this, these topics from, um, from the woman's perspective. And I think that this show, unfortunately is about 20 years ahead of its time. Um, mm-hmm. she's a pioneer when it comes to this stuff. If you ask me putting this on TV and I think that's a, one of the reasons, and you can, I want you to talk about the ratings and everything like that too, for like, you know, I saw that 4.3 and I know you did some more investigating into that, but I think yeah. th- this mm-hmm. show is 20 years ahead of its time. And I think that in 20 years from now, there'll be like this kind of program, Will be more the norm. We'll be wa- we'll, like, we'll be watching a lot more of this stuff after walls keep getting broken down, you know. But mm-hmm. that's just my opinion. I don't. Well, I'll let you go ahead and talk about it a little bit more. But yeah, so like t- talking about the ratings a little bit. Like, I didn't even know you could do this, but on IMDb, you can click on. Um, like the the section where the where the ratings are and they'll show you demographics mm. of who voted what so the the demographics for this show show that the ones who gave it the highest stars were women between I believe it's 20 and 35, which okay. did not surprise me right. because it, it's younger women who are more open about their sexuality and going after what they want. Um, the ones that gave it the lowest ratings, no surprise, are men hmm. across all age ranges hmm. and and women over 50, which does not really surprise me either because women over 50 are a little bit more conservative and perhaps don't talk about these things and maybe feel differently. And, and, and that's fine, too. And I'm not here saying like, oh, if you're not open and willing to talk about orgasms all the time and you're not a real woman, like that's not what I'm saying at all. Like you can be conservative and you can be um, more sort of modest about it. And, and if if if. I mean, I don't know if like straight up vanilla missionary is your thing, then do it. But like, it, it, there's nothing wrong with going after what you want. And I think women are definitely in an, a time period where we can say what we want and not be judged for it as much as we used to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I agree that this show is ahead of its time and I think it's going to be relegated to like I think it's going to be get get lost I think yeah. people won't watch yeah. it which is why I'm glad you're talking about it with yeah. me like I'm glad 
talking about it now because I think it's an important show to watch, not just for women, but if you're a man and you're in a relationship with a woman and you're worried, maybe I'm not satisfying my partner. I suggest you watch this show and talk to her about it. Ask her what she wants because she'll tell you what she wants. I mean, women have been figuring out to give themselves orgasms for, you know, uh, millennia at this point. So (laughs) ask her what she wants and what she likes. And she'll tell you. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great show. Um, I wanted to kind of shine a little spotlight on it with our audience to let you know that it's out there and to watch it. Um, I got on IMDb and I gave it a 10. So I wanted to nice. bump that up and give it a higher rating. Um, and I highly encourage our audience to do the same. Um, shows like this are, I think it's going to get, unfortunately, 20 years from now when other shows are doing this and it's kind of the norm. I think that people will forget what Carly did 20 years earlier. And there's going to be, there, there'll be a few of us that remember, but, uh, she, you know, she kind of like, in my opinion, not really started this. She didn't start like the sexual revolution, but you know, she's doing a lot more on the TV side that you don't really see a lot these days. The upcoming yeah. episodes look really good. The next one is stone sex where it's uh, Carly takes her orgasms to a higher state of consciousness through stone sex. So like doing drugs and having sex luxury sex is one of them. Kinky travel. Uh, Carly investigates the kink travel industry and goes dungeon hunting with a specialized <laughs> re- with a specialized real estate agent, hoping to plan the perfect vacation for sluts worldwide. Uh, episode six is going to be a transsexual episode. Uh, episode seven is going to be cam girls. Uh, episode eight. Can't wait for this one. I'm a big Westworld fan. So episode eight is robot sex. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, Carly investigates whether sex robots are out to steal our boyfriends. Um, and then, uh, episode nine is ecosexuality. This one's crazy. I can't wait to see this one. Carly meets ecosexuals who believe that having sex with the earth can save it. So these are people oh, that are sticking their. <laughs> Dicks in the in the mud and in trees and fucking them. Uh, and episode ten is monster fantasy. Carly discovers that monster sex fantasies are more common than expected. Wow! So um, yeah, I, I went to the I went to the Vice website and uh, there's a section called Ask Whatever where you can actually ask Carly sex related questions. And I thought this <laughs> one of the questions was, "Oh God, is watching Harry Potter porn weird?" And I. <laughs> Um, I love this show. I want I want more people to watch it. So I'm glad that we could kind of like uh, talk about this, Rebecca, because I I think like this show is getting kind of like lost in the mix and I haven't seen anyone talking about it at all. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, let's talk about Altered Carbon uh, on Netflix. It just got released on Friday. Altered Carbon is set in a future where consciousness is digitized and stored in cortical stacks implanted in the spine, allowing humans to survive physical death by having their memories and consciousness re-sleeved into new bodies. The story follows specially trained envoy soldier Takeshi Kovacs, who is downloaded from an off-world prison and into the body of a disgraced cop at the behest of Lawrence Bancroft, a highly influential aristocrat. Bancroft was killed, and the last automatic backup of his stack was made hours before his death, leaving him with no memory of who killed him and why. 
While police ruled it a suicide, Bancroft is convinced that he was murdered and wants Kovacs to find out the truth. Uh, this is based on the book by Richard Morgan. The pilot was directed by Miguel Sapochnik, who also directed the episode, one of my favorite episodes of Guardian, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, he directed the Battle of the Bastard episode of Game of Thrones. Oh, there you go. Uh, Kovacs was actually played by Joel Kinnaman from The Killing, which was on uh, AMC originally, and I believe the final season played out on Netflix. Uh, he also was RoboCop in the RoboCop reboot, and he played Rick Flagg in the Suicide Squad. Um, how many ep- – I'm going to talk to you guys. I want to know how many episodes that you watched of this, Jake. I saw the first two. Okay, Jake saw the first two. Uh Rebecca. I saw the first one. That's all I had time for this weekend. Okay. I have seen the entire season. So what I have noticed before I get into like my rating and everything is that the people that have seen the first maybe – I'll be honest with you. I, the people that have seen maybe the first even episodes one through five are not the biggest fans of the show. I think it's – I mean I think this show is definitely the definition of a slow burn. Um I'll talk about it a little bit more, but I think it wasn't until episode six and seven where I really just could not put this show down. But Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I I, I found this show really intriguing. Um, I I've only seen the first two episodes. I agree with the slow burn thing, but I almost feel like that's an intentional creative choice, and I kind of yeah. dig it actually. Um, it's a really interesting mix of hard science fiction. And like that old school film noir, private dick detective kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting mix, how they've achieved that. And yeah. I think the uh, the slow burn with the mystery kind of fits into that motif. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of digging it. I, rating wise, I'm going to give it a taste it. But I really think this has the potential to be better than that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely intrigued by the mystery and just the plot itself lends itself to a lot of twists and turns on the way. Yeah. And I, and I like I like that kind of show. I'm excited to see how the sleeves are going to fool me. Like they kind of telegraph the uh, the twist that's going to happen, but you still don't know what the who and the why. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. So, I'm telling you, as far as like twists are concerned, holy shit. This 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 show has more twists than fucking like butternut bread sleeves do. It's crazy. Like, there's <laughs> yeah, more- I liked it, though. I thought the first episode was a little bit bogged down with too much too much exposition. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was all yeah. needed. It all helped me understand what was going on. Yeah. But it still was really heavy with the world building mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit too much at once. And yeah. if they could have split the flow up a little bit, I thought the second episode was a lot better. I actually enjoyed the first episode more than the se- second episode actually made me actually want to <laughs> – stop watching it but i can wow, that's crazy yeah, yeah it, i thought once yeah. once we'd gotten once i knew the rules i was a little bit more excited to just see stuff play out i posted um the kind of like definitions for all the different words that they set up in this series on our facebook page you know like you know words like dipper and sleeves and stacks and synthetic sleeves and all these different definitions because i feel like you know, you'll learn these things throughout the show, but like, if they don't bring them up again for like another couple episodes, you'll forget what they are. Yeah, they didn't really, they didn't do a good job of giving each thing its uh-huh. own impact. It was just kind of spiel that yeah. another character like threw out there, and then it's like, okay, off you go. Yeah, well, Rebecca, what did you think about the first episode? 
I liked the first episode a lot, actually. Yeah. I would give the first episode a, a very high taste. I'll tell you, I, I've only watched the first episode, but I'm so eager to watch more. I'm more eager to watch this than I was after watching three episodes of Electric Dreams, to be completely frank. Okay, um, yeah. So, I, and I, I love a good sci-fi story. Um I'm I'm so intrigued where this is going. I love the mystery that they've set up. Um, yeah, I would agree, Jake, that there is a lot of exposition in the first one. It didn't bother me particularly because I felt like I needed it to understand like what was happening. Um, but I I like the look of this world. Um, there's, there's even I mean there's moments that are just heartbreaking when people are resleeved and they look so different. Um, yeah, that that to me was like wow, like this is just the world that we live in now with this this like futuristic uh world that they've set up. Um I, I like it a lot. I am excited to watch watch the rest of the series and as soon as I have time I, I will be watching it. So I yeah, I would give the first episode a high taste it, but I'll definitely finish it. Yeah, yeah. I, I highly recommend that everybody finish this. If you if you dropped off after episodes, you know, one, two, three, four even five. I think once you get to episode seven, you won't be able to. T- you won't be able to put this down. You will not be able to put this. And you know what? If you get through episode seven and you're just like, this just is not my thing, then maybe just walk away from it. Um, but it wasn't until episode seven and episode eight that I really called game changers um, for for this series that really just sucked me in and I could not put it down. And I'll get to my rating here, but. I've really gotten bored in in science fiction storytelling with uh, the story of technology kind of like outgrowing man and like making us slaves in a post-apocalyptic world, you know, like where the robots have won. We've seen it. I've seen it in Terminator. Um, we even saw it like recently in like uh, Black Mirror with Metalhead, which I loved that. So that, I think that – which is kind of crazy that I really love that story. But anyway, the concept that like that they have here isn't like 100% new, but I, I loved the way they kind of explored this in Altered Carbon where like these humans create stacks and like it's the 1%, the rich find a way to become gods basically to where they can never die and they're always uploading, you know, um, themselves to these, you know, off off planet uh servers and things like that. I so I thought that this was kind of like a cool way to explore this whole thing. Um instead of like the technology taking over us, we've kind of like mastered the technology to become gods, which I, I think is like a, a which is way more interesting than Skynet, you know, taking over. Um, at this point, which I, you know, the Skynet story was cool for its time back in like, you know, the eighties and nineties when, when I, when I fell in love with the Terminator movies, but I've seen it so many times since, um, then anyway, on the top of all of like that, that, that cool thing, it's, we've also got like this, yeah, it's this, this series shows us how, like with the advancements in technology, how different it is to solve crimes now. You know, just I love that. Uh, this show introduces dippers and, and ghost walkers and, and people being spun up and, um, you know, where, where they're temporarily put they put a stack into a new sleeve just so they can question someone. So basically what I mean by that is like if someone 
don't even know if I can explain it. <laughs> don't Every, everybody, yeah, I, I, everybody's got their own stack, and it's it's basically it's it's you. And if you die, they can take your stack and put it into a new sleeve, which is a body, and like a then, SIM card, like a SIM like card, a and SIM then card, basically, yeah, and then you're you're brought back. You're back. You're, you, you, everything that was you is in this stack. Basically, like your soul is in this stack, and then they can insert it into a new body, and then you're back. So they found a way to basically, if someone dies, they can take that. If someone's murdered, they can take that stack and then put them into a new body, and then question that person and find out how they died. Um, and this explores a lot of that, like. You know, what's it, what's it, is that, is, should man be able to do that? And there's a whole proposition, what is it, 6, 653, that would allow the murder victims to be spun up and testify against their killers. Um, even if they have what's called neo-C coding, which is basically religious coding saying that they don't want to be brought back. Um, I don't know, I, I loved all the concepts and the technology and the questions that this show raises. Um, I loved the character of Poe and the AI hotel of the Raven. Um, oh, that was, I'm glad to see. I was hoping he wasn't just the first episode one-off. I was super excited when he showed up again in the episode two. Yes, he's so great. And then, I mean, he, oh. he um, he's introduced to new characters. Um, my favorite character in this whole series is, is a character named Lizzie. And um, you've really got to stick with this series to have payoff for that character. Um, she, she plays one of the, uh, oh no, God damn it. I can't, the puss, Josie, is she the police officer? No, 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 no. That's uh, Ortega. Lizzie, okay, Lizzie, the actress that plays Lizzie is one of the pussycats and Josie and the pussycats on the new Archie series, the Riverdale, um, series on uh, CW. But, um, I love Lizzie, the character. She's so cool. And I can't wait to see her. Hopefully this gets a second season, but, um, I, yeah, back to the Poe character is really interesting. I love how the technology now, like the AI is not taking over the whole world. And you basically some, see some of the AIs like living, they're like basically like slumlords. And yeah, they're, they're, exactly. They're, you know, I think it's a cool concept because it's so many of these shows we see the the technology take over the humans and that's not what happens here humans use the technology mm-hmm. to basically bring them to god status and um the, the the whole world that richard morgan created here and um the showrunner has created is just amazing this show is a tupperware you got to get through it though you got to get through it you got to watch you got i i'd say I'd say get through episodes seven and eight. If you stick with it and get through episodes seven and eight, you won't be able to put it down. And this whole world that they that that they've created here, I cannot wait to see more of it in the future. I love it. Um, Joel Kinnaman yeah. is great. Um, a lot of people are upset and saying that this is whitewashing. Um, that the character that he plays of Kovacs has been whitewashed. Um, that's I don't agree with them at all. Um, the story here is it's that this is the story that that um, that he was yeah, originally just like just just like that young girl gets put into that old woman. Yeah, you don't get put yeah. into mm-hmm. what you want to be right. in. Right, right. There's a reason he gets put into the white guy. There's a reason, and you find out later. You just got to keep watching the show. Um, whitewashing, in my opinion, is when a story is actually written with the character being Asian. 
or of yes. another race, you know, African American, black, whatever. I mean, just a character's written of another race and then they change it. This this is how the character was written. So it's definitely not whitewashing. Um I don't know. Agreed. I thought the effects in this show were really so good, good for Netflix. Really like the good. budget and the the cinematography and just the special effects level was very impressive. Yeah. Um <laughs> it's a gorgeous show. It is. It is and the, oh my god, some of the some of the technology that they introduce into this show is just fucking amazing and I love it. Yeah. It's if so you're a prude, cool. you probably won't like this show. It's very violent and uh lots of nudity. Oh, tons of fucking nudity. Tons of like <laughs> Oh my God! There's dick and tits. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I mean, and you'll kind of know. I, I think you see enough in the first two episodes that if that if that's kind of a turnoff for you, you'll you'll know if, if it's over your level. You know, I didn't yeah. think it was too excessive though. I thought it really helped set the mood of kind of the world building that they were doing. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't. I mean, uh, the farther that you go in the series, it really doesn't like glorify it, and it that. And it kind of shines a light onto how sickening it is um, later on once you get to a head in the clouds. And the people that have watched it know exactly what I'm talking about with what happens there. So, I, you guys, you got to stick with this one. You got to. St- I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I plan on watching well, all of it. I'm, I'm telling like our listeners too. Like if you oh, yeah. if you watched the first one or two episodes. I'll be honest with you. Second episode, I was not a fan of. I, uh, third episode, I was not like the biggest fan of. Um, it, it, I really, it wasn't until episodes I kept kept with it. I kept there was something bringing me back. But once I got to episode seven and finished that, and then definitely episode eight. Holy fuck! Seven and eight are game changers, and you won't be able to put the show down. I promise you. If you get that far and you don't like it, just turn it off. But for those of you that have stuck with it and you get through episodes seven and eight, um, and you like those, you're gonna you're gonna love this series. And I, I can't wait for season two. I love this whole world, and I think the world building is necessary for this show because that's what I've fallen in love here is the world. And I and you'll fall, you'll really enjoy these characters. I love Ortega; she's so cool. Um, Poe. Is one of my favorite characters. I love Poe. I this show is so fucking good. I cannot wait for season two. So nice. And you you Tupperware this huh? Tupperware as a whole. Like if I were to if I were to talk about like the first like you know like first six episodes on their own, I'm going to say it's like you know taste it and high taste it. It's not until you get to seven on up is when it's it's the ultimate payoff. Once you get to episodes seven, eight, nine, and ten, it's the ultimate payoff, and it makes the whole series of fucking Tupperware. It really—that's oh, super encouraging to know that if you do stick with it, yes. you're going to get you're rewarded. Yes. yes, it doesn't get worse. This is not watching Luke Cage, where you know where it starts off. <laughs> it starts off great, and then it just falls apart. No, everything comes together, and a lot of people are saying like, and I said this on Twitter. A lot of people are saying like this is like uh you know detective noir this is like you know high concept sci-fi at the end of the day this this is a romance this whole this whole thing is a romance move it's a whole it's a romance show you'll, yeah, you'll see I, I liked it a so lot good. I, I, thanks for telling me to watch it Brian I yeah. I, I got to be honest like at first I was like oh jeez what's this stupid Netflix sci-fi series going to be like but I was really, I was really blown away by it. Yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know what it was going to be like Uh, when I, I was, the hype was kind of there for me, you know, because I, 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 
you know, it's a science fiction show on Netflix and it's, you know, it's a Richard Morgan book and I don't know. The Netflix stuff is just so crazy because yeah. they do they don't really have much trailers and a lot of yeah. times the stuff just drops without yes. much lead in and yes. mm-hmm. yeah. And the, the OA. The OA is a perfect example of something that like Stranger Things had like all like the marketing. And then even the first season of Stranger Things kind of came out of nowhere. Honestly. Yeah, but it had it. We knew it was coming. There was zero, like literally zero marketing for the OA, like nothing. Yeah. It just dropped. So yeah, shit. Cloverfield, same thing. Yeah. Fucking hell. All right. So, yeah, definitely watch it. Um, let's uh, move on into news if you guys are cool. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I accidentally played like two bumpers at the same time there for a moment. Um, <laughs> nice, the remix. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, we you talked about uh, Cloverfield, so we we talked about it last week. Cloverfield three moving to Netflix, and then this week we got com- confirmation that Cloverfield four has been filmed and is ready to go. Um, we actually talked about Cloverfield four. We actually talked, we, we talked about this story months ago. Jake, you'll remember this. We talked in a previous episode about a film being set in World War II that was called Overlord and how that could be Cloverfield 3. We also talked about God Particle and how that was supposed to be Cloverfield 3. We had like this talk about like what is Cloverfield 3? Is it Overlord or is it God Particle? And Anyway, we found out like this week, to our surprise, that both of these movies are Cloverfield films. Yeah, I'm pumped. So we found out – actually tonight we found out that Cloverfield 3 is dropping on Netflix tonight, which is fucking yeah. crazy. But anyway – Cloverfield paradox. Yeah. So hold on. Does Cloverfield 4 get released in theaters, Overlord? I, th- I think it's a theatrical release, Jake. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I don't I don't know if it makes sense, but it seems yeah, weird well, to release three on Netflix and then four in the yes, theater. Yes, yes, yes. I, I think me. it does make sense. I think it, it finally adds up to me. The, the Super Bowl thing is like was like the X in the equation that was just I couldn't figure out why they were doing this. But it makes all the sense in the world now. You pay the millions of dollars for the Super Bowl spot. You got to have that big announcement, and so I mean, it's not like they can repeat this stunt again. So it really I, it, brings a shining light to the Cloverfield brand. I'm not saying I have and a I problem think, with it, but like the the the, the no, way you're having a problem. The with, way that you're that. saying how it makes sense, like oh, naturally, like three well, more three is going to come out on Netflix, and four is going to be a theatrical release, of course. It's just, it, it makes more sense now. I like I get the branding a yeah. little bit more now. Okay. Okay, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I'm excited to watch God Particle. You know, or is it what is it called? God. It's called Clover. It's called Cloverfield Paradox. Is the official name? Okay, because like they were. There's a trailer. They were talking about it being called God Particle or Cloverfield Station. So, um, I don't know. So yeah, it's called Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, you should. We should pause and you should watch this trailer. Hmm. All right, let's. If we're, if we're talking about it. It's cool. All right, let's let's uh, we'll we'll take a break and we'll um, I'll watch the trailer.
okay. So, yeah, that's like just a teaser. I mean... Yeah, not really a trailer, just a, a little bit of a stinger. Yeah. But I, it made me excited. I like that it it basically tells us that they are going to tie the other movies into this mm-hmm. thing, which was really unconfirmed to me. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, that really got me pumped. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, hopefully there will be some answers here, I suppose, and they're satisfying answers. Um, yeah, and I don't even necessarily need the answers if it's a good suspense movie because sure. that's really like – the recipe that I want from a Cloverfield movie. I am going to say that I was shocked by this news that, uh, that God particle is going to be a Netflix release and that, uh, for could still possibly be, you know, a theatrical release. I just, it, um, I, I don't, especially after the performance of the last 10 Cloverfield lane, Dan Trachtenberg's movie being so good. It made me worry. Like, are they not as 100% confident that God Particle is a good movie? It, can it not stand on its own in the theaters? Do they think that people have Cloverfield fatigue? What is it about this movie that's not making it a theatrical release? Honestly, I think it's just Netflix probably had the best deal at the time. Um, I agree. I agree. And if they didn't have faith in it, they sure yeah. wouldn't be advertising it during the Super Bowl. Sure, sure. Yeah. It, but it, it, you got to also say, Jake, that there's a lot behind the name as well. Cloverfield is now a name. Um, I don't think they'd want to stain the name in that way, though. Like if the people behind the scenes were like, ooh, this isn't good enough to put in the theater, I don't think they'd want to slap the Cloverfield. I hope they wouldn't yeah. want to slap the Cloverfield name on it and then advertise it during the Super Bowl and have sure. it be a crap fest. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like uh, Netflix is all about just people watching content. And, yeah, I mean, Bright was okay, but it, it's it's definitely, you know, I, I enjoyed Bright, but it was very paint-by-numbers and nothing really new as far as, like, the ending's concerned. Uh, I agree. I, one of the reasons I'm so excited is it does have the potential to be a giant stinker. Yeah, I mean, a lot. I, yeah. This is going to be a lot easier discussion once we see it. Jake, I hope it's great, man. I really do. I hope, like, because I, I, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I hope that tomorrow, when I have to get done watching it, I'm like, I can't wait to talk about Cloverfield three because I, yeah. I love Cloverfield. I think it's it's one of the best found footage films um, that's ever been made. And then, um, and then Cloverfield, I, 10 Cloverfield lane was so, it came out of nowhere and it was so good. I do think you brought up really great points last week. Like it's going to kind of suck. Like it's a double edged sword. Yeah. Like, let's say we watch this movie and it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Then it's like, damn it. Why didn't we get to see that space Cloverfield yes. movie in the theater? Right. Cause it's, it's supposed to be set in a space station, right? Like that would be yeah, yeah. really cool on the big screen. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. Like yeah. maybe they didn't just give it. An, maybe that was the thought. Maybe the effects and the budget won't hold up on a big screen yeah. or so. I don't yeah. know. I I think a lot's going to be answered once we see this thing. Did you, hey, Rebecca? Were you a fan? Yeah. Did you see Cloverfield and Ten Cloverfield Lane? I did. I was a fan of both movies. Yeah. I enjoyed them both very much. I I too am quite surprised at this because. This seems like the perfect movie to release on the big screen. I mean, even if they kind of went like the Mudbound route where they released it for like a limited release on the big screen and yeah. then put it on Netflix, I, I don't see what why that wouldn't be a good thing. I yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I see what it. Jake. I see what you're saying now, though. I'm going to get back to you, Rebecca. But I see what Jake. Mm-hmm. What you're saying now is like it's it's Super Bowl. 
Like what? Yeah, wow. it's a big freaking deal. Like yeah. to advertise it here. Yeah, it is. It really is. That I think. God, see, I, it's more than it's more than they just had a commercial on yes. during whatever TV show and said surprise, it's tonight. They I, surprised it on Super Bowl. Shit. I mean, this is us is going to reveal their big reveal tonight. Yeah, and their Clover Netflix is saying. Fuck this is awesome to reveal. <laughs> you're, oh God, Jake. See, I'm see, I'm seeing it from like how you're presenting it now, and it and and when I was I was giggling to myself like this makes sense. It's like now it kind of does. <laughs> it's like this is the this is the hold on this is the new way to market this movie. Like oh, what like, a what like, a bold brash move. By right, Netflix. right, right. Hold on, hold on. Like what's gonna make a bigger splash? Like okay, Cloverfield Three is gonna come to theaters or. What's going to make a bigger splash? We're going to announce that on the during the Super Bowl that you're going to be able to watch it on Netflix. Like Netflix number one is hoping like if you're not subscribed, you're going to do it tonight if you're a Cloverfield fan. And then and then oh my Jake, I don't know, man. This yeah, is fucking I can't, crazy. I guarantee that more than the sum of zero people subscribe tonight because of Cloverfield. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, uh, I mean, that's a win. I And, you know, honestly, Cloverfield 2 kind of pulled this trick as well as they could theatrically. Yeah. yeah. Like, it kind of came out of nowhere. It was like, here's a trailer, and then the next week the shit was out. Yeah. All right, Rebecca, so you enjoyed you enjoyed both films as well. I guess <laughs> me, I guess we're both, we're all still kind of like trying to come, um, I'm trying to comprehend this whole thing. This is crazy. I've never seen anything like this. What a brash move. <laughs> it is. I can't, I cannot believe this. Oh. <laughs> no, it's like, guys, you gotta understand, like, Netflix is changing the game. Like, this shit does not happen. This is so fucking yeah. out no, of left, year, left it's, field. It's, you're absolutely right, Brian. Like, this does not happen no. this way. And for it to happen this way, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, Netflix is making a statement here, yeah. and I think the, the filmmakers and the studio behind Cloverfield Paradox are making a statement bad, too. Yeah, bad robot. By releasing it on on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just hope it's good, so the statement is loud and clear. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. But yeah, we're getting Overlord, which which at one time on this podcast, you can go back and listen. We were debating as to like, is, not debating, but we were like asking each other like, what's going to be the Cloverfield? You know, the the third movie in the Cloverfield franchise. Is it going to be God Particle or is it going to be this Overlord? We're finding we're finding out this week that both movies are Cloverfield films. So um, Overlord basically is about, and I got this information from Slash Film. Um, they said we have confirmation that Cloverfield Four not only exists, but that it's already completed filming. The project is called Overlord. Um, if the Overlord title sounds vaguely familiar, it's because we wrote about it in March of last year. And while God Particle or Cloverfield Station or whatever the hell that ends up being called, we're finding out it's Paradox now, Jake? Parad- uh, Cloverfield Paradox. It's reportedly set on a space station. Overlord is taking a trip back in time to World War II. Here's the synopsis. On the eve day of D-Day, American paratroopers are dropped behind enemy lines to carry out a mission crucial to the invasion's success. But as they approach their target, they begin to realize there is more going on in this Nazi-occupied village than a simple military operation. They find themselves fighting against supernatural forces, part of a Nazi experiment. Uh, this one sounds awesome to yes, me. Yes, it does. 
does. Oh my mm-hmm. god! Absolutely, cannot wait to see that. One of my favorite Captain America bad guys is the the Artem Zola character, and just the you know, yeah, the evilness yeah. of the yeah. genetic modification and like kind of the fiction bending of taking that too far and the horrors that can come from that yeah. is always a, a good fiction. Oh man, I'm trying to think of that. There was a World War II video game that I played with like mutants that you would fight, like aliens and shit, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was for the created by the Nazis from yeah. alien technology. Yeah, and it was like it was a PlayStation 3 video game and I it was one of the last video games that I really played. It was a first person shooter and I really enjoyed it. And that's what I'm kind of like hoping to get out of this, but uh yeah, it, it it really sounds like a really I I'm really surprised yeah. at the lack of anthology series. I mean, it's still kind of that, but it really does feel like they're trying to have a big connective tissue here somehow, which makes the whole thing even much more intriguing. Jake, this was supposed to, this Paradox movie was supposed to arrive April 2018. April of 2018. They said F that. They said F that. Oh my God, this is insane. Anyway, um, Overlord should arrive in theaters Box Office Dude. Mojo says Overlord will arrive in theaters on October 26th. So basically, like, two, three weeks after we get the Venom film, we're going to get Cloverfield 4. We're gonna oh, get this Clover- year? October 26th? Yes, this year. So we're getting- Holy shit. Yes. Yeah, it's already in the can. It's like in the Brian can. Yeah, we've got- yeah. So we're going to get two Cloverfield films in a year, one on Netflix and one theatrically. But I, I don't know what to believe anymore because I, I thought we were going to get this in April and we're getting it tonight. Yeah. So this is in fucking sane. And Jake, I kind of love it right now. And you're kind of right that it does make sense because it's making a bigger splash. I think more people are going to talk about Cloverfield 3 now because of this. And I think that you were right. The people – we were all talking about 10 Cloverfield Lane last time because we didn't know it was a Cloverfield movie and like the big announcement was that it was and then boom, it's now in theaters. With this movie, the big announcement is, OK, yeah, you know Cloverfield 3, God Particle or whatever the fuck it's called is coming, but uh, it's coming in April. Oh, no, fuck you. It's coming on Netflix and it's coming tonight. Yeah, it's crazy. I think a lot of people weren't even aware of that, honestly. Right, right. Having it on the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think the layman had no idea about the whole God Particle thing. Yes, right. And is fucking floored that it's just here and now. Right, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. I can't wait. Yeah, we're definitely – we're going to have like a double bonus episode this week, I think. We're going to talk about – we're going to talk about this movie and we'll definitely be talking about the the full solo trailer. Um, And that'll be fun. I'm – Pumped to talk about this movie. Joshua Williamson's comic book Birthright, which you know I've talked about on our show before, it's getting its own movie. This news comes from THR. Cinco Paul and Ken Dario, the writers behind the Despicable Me movies, are teaming up with Robert Kirkman and his Skybound Entertainment to adapt fantasy epic comic book Birthright. The project just got set up at Universal via Skybound's first look deal with the studio. Kirkman, who is also the creator of The Walking Dead, will produce along with the companies David Alpert, Brian First, and Sean First. Uh, Jeb Brody from The Mummy and Fifty Shades of Grey will also produce. Um, <laughs> Seems and, like an odd writing duo, right? Does yeah. that comic book have any kind of a flavor where you'd be tapping the Despicable Me guys? Not really. Um, I I don't know why you would be tapping those guys. To be quite honest with you, the the comic centers on the Rhodes family, 
whose young son Mikey disappears while playing outside. A year later, a grown man appears claiming to be the son and saying that he has been on another world, ushering the family on a fantastical quest to discover what really happened to their son. So basically, um, a father and a son are playing like catch out in the woods. Um, one, the, the little boy Mikey doesn't come out of the woods. He's lost. And the mom and the dad, like a year or two years later, like they've sep- like they've gotten a divorce. It's, re- it's split up the family. And this guy comes back looking like, <laughs> he looks like Jason Momoa. Um, he kind of, he, looking like Conan the Barbarian. And he's supposed, he's basically, that's Mikey, like, as an adult. And he's, he's been on another world training. He's basically the chosen one and he's fought dragons and orcs and all this other shit. And, um, it's, it's a really great comic book. And John, Joshua Williamson does a great job with the comic book. And I would be excited that it got announced for a film if it was not for the people that are behind this. Yeah, I could see that without even reading the book. I can go, woof, something's yeah. rotten in Denmark with that lineup. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a horrible creative team that are behind this. And hope, hope cross your fingers. Maybe they'll surprise you. I mean, I like know. crazier things yeah. have happened. Like yeah, the but, Russo brothers came from community right? and you know, the Lord and Miller came from Lego movie yeah. and did great things. So maybe. Yeah, but Universal also was the studio behind Warcraft. So. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> it's like the Frogert argument. Right. And that's a bad thing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I love this property. It, the, the comic book is great. There's some twists when it comes to the character of Mikey. And I don't know. It's just, it's, I don't. What kind of story is this, Brian, in, in the, like, can you see aspect of this story being told in a two hour movie? Um, that's the thing. I, I, I honestly, when I, when I first reviewed the comic book on our show, Jake, I said that this would be a very cool movie, that it could be a great movie. Um, I don't know if you can do it all in one movie or if it'd be better served as a trilogy or, or a quadrilogy. That's kind of my question. Is yeah. this a franchise or is this a one and done? I think that this would be better served if you did a trilogy. Um, okay. But man, it's it's just the, I think that they'll kill it. I, I think like with the people that are behind this, I that they'll probably kill it. This will be like another dark tower, and then we'll be hoping that we'll we'll hope that we get like a a birthright TV show. So. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I was kind of just playing a little bit of devil's advocate with the yeah. maybe it'll be good. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I think I think you're very apt in comparing <laughs> it to the Dark Tower situation. All evidence points to this being like another one and done, like with Warcraft. What, 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 with the treatment that that Universal gave Warcraft, they'll probably give the same treatment here. So, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not, as by treatment, I'm not saying like they're not going to put the money into it because they certainly did with Warcraft. I'm just saying like. You know, it's like how many projects are people going to give Akiva Goldsman before they stop hiring this guy? You know what I mean? I agree. And, oh, it hurts. I fucking hate that guy. It yeah. hurts to see these properties that you love yes. and have waited for for a long time get this kind of treatment. Yes. And it's like, especially when it's like an indie comic or a novel that you've just held on to for so long. And then it's like, no, we're just going to use it for everything that it's worth and suck the fucking life out of it. Oh, and oh. Make- Make as cheap as a buck as possible. When I think of uh, Birthright, 
Rebecca, I don't know about you, but I think about the the creator, the 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 guys behind Despicable Me and the Secret Life of Pets. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Right? Yeah. Come like, on. like I, I haven't I haven't read Birthright, but I know of Birthright. Like yes. I vaguely know what it's about um, from hearing other people talk about it. And when I heard that it was the the, the Despicable Me people, I was like, eh, "You sure about that? Yeah. Like, uh, that doesn't seem right to me." And yeah. I'm not yeah, saying I, have- I, I get what Jake's saying too. Jake is Jake. You're basically saying like, and I've said this before, like that, like just because that that's what they do, they can't handle anything else. And, and I, I and I get that. Like you know, like the Russo brothers, just because they've done comedies, it doesn't mean that they can't handle you know like your your Marvel action film. Um, yeah, we've seen very clearly they can. We can. So yeah, maybe these guys. Hey, I would love to eat crow on this one, man. I would love oh, sure. to eat crow on this one. I'd love to see it. But all signs point to this being bad. And until I get a trailer that proves anything differently, I'm going to say that Universal screws the pooch on this one. And Birthright, uh, the film, is going to be garbage. So. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, when I walked into Dark Tower, I walked in going, I know this movie is going to piss me off. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, every fiber of my being wanted to be, like, kneeling and crying in front yeah. of it when it was over. Yeah. But, yeah. but no. Nope. Uh, Variety had an article uh, titled Netflix and Talks with Luke Besson and EuropaCorp on multi-purchase deals. So Netflix is in discussions with Luke Besson's Europa Corp to have French filmmaker direct and produce several movies for the streaming giant over the next few years. Variety has learned the movies would be labeled Netflix originals and would be budgeted in the $30 million range. Uh, sources with knowledge of the discussion said Netflix uh, and – oh, yeah. Uh, Netflix and Europa Corp declined to comment. Um, so basically this would give them um, – I don't know. Luke Besson would be able to to um, give them some original content here, and then EuropaCorp uh, includes franchises like Taken, Taxi, and The Transporter. Um, and it, I, I guess it. I don't know if this makes sense for Netflix. Does this make sense for Netflix to do this? Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting headline. It's Luke Besson, right, helping yeah. out here. Yeah, I thought. What, what's more of his filmography? Uh, the Fifth Element. Um, he did. Okay, he's he did the Valerian. Valerian guy, and the City of a Thousand Planets director. Okay, yes. I think actually this is a fantastic move for both parties. The more I think about it, I, I think well, um, yeah. Luke Besson. I mean, whether you liked or didn't like Valerian, I think it was a little bit of a financial flop, a little bit of mismarketing. I think his kind of style and scope is perfect for Netflix. I think it, it helps Netflix crank out more mm. content. And I, I think it gives Luke a really great platform to put out some really inventive science fiction that more people will be a little bit more acceptable of than the Valerian. I, it, I, it makes sense for EuropaCorp. They're in debt $285 million. So it makes sense for them to sell to Netflix. Um, I just hope net, I hope that Netflix is making the right moves here. With, you know, like they purchased Miller World, Mil- oh, excuse me, Miller World, Mark Miller's company, and now they're yeah. doing this. I just hope that they're, they're, they're snagging up the right properties. Like, as far as Taken goes, I, I don't care. As far as Transporter goes, I don't care. 
You know, I no, yeah, I agree. That sounds like just another failed network TV show, to be honest with you. Yeah, but I think the Luke Besson could really do something great, whether it be movies or him doing a long form show. Yeah, I, I think he's an interesting creative mind, and I think possibly a natural fit for Netflix. Okay, so did anybody else watch Valerian yet? No, I have not. No. I, I, I scour iTunes, and I've been waiting for them to say, hey, this is five bucks, okay. because I know it will be. Okay. So that's, like, the thing here. It's, like, if they're giving him budgets of, like, $30 million, it's, like, you can't really make a Valerian sequel for $30 million. And that's, like, one of the things that I was kind of, like, looking forward to. Yeah, I think the Valerian thing is experiment is over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think he has the passion to do more either. Oh, he definitely wants to do another Valerian film. Oh, you think he does? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, if he could get funding, he would do it. And the funding for Valerian actually did not come from – it actually came from – he actually got the funding differently for Valerian. So it's not like the st- studios didn't lose money on Valerian. It was actually funded by different countries. Um, it's – it's kind of a weird. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That explains some of the weird marketing, possibly too. Yeah, like it was on all the uh, Mexican soda bottles and all yeah. the Jaritos. Exactly. Yep. So, I don't know. Uh, could we see like a Fifth Element series? Could we see? I, I honestly think that we probably will see a Transporter series on Netflix <laughs> if this deal does go down. Um, and I know that's, that's interesting. I feel like Luke probably wants to do original stuff, but Netflix is like, no, we're hiring you to draw people's attention with these established things. Yeah, I think this is this will encompass all of that, though. I think especially like with Miller World, it, it's not going to just encompass like stuff that he's done, but like future projects. So and mm-hmm. the, sa- the same thing goes with this, too. I think with Luke Besson is like instead of him, I think like Valerian just didn't hit in the theaters, but like. You know, any new things that he comes out with, new or, you know, existing, it's all going to hit on Netflix. So Yeah, no shit. Just next Super Bowl, they can be like, blam, Valerian 2. <laughs> Valerian 2. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> uh, moving on here. I must, I must have missed this next story because it was announced that Ridley Scott – I don't know when this was announced, but I missed it. Ridley Scott will be working with Disney – to bring to life the story of young Merlin with Merlin Saga. Did you guys hear about this? No, I did not, but I no, that sounds amazing. Uh, a franchise adaptation of T.A. Barron's fantasy novels that focus on a young Merlin years before the Arthurian legend. Scott last tackled the fantasy genre uh, back in 1985 with Legend. Um, the, script, <laughs> the script will be penned by Philippa Boyens, who co-wrote the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films. Omega Underground has learned that Scott isn't wasting any time and has already hired two regulars as key crew members on the Disney film. As Prometheus production designer Arthur Max from Gladiator, The Martian, and Robin Hood, and cinematographer Darius Wolski from Sicario 2, All the Money in the World, Alien Covenant, The Crow, The Martian, have joined the project. Um, This crew update might suggest that Ridley has indeed signed on to direct... Merlin is currently without production or release dates, but I wanted to know, my question to you guys was like, does this project excite you? Ridley Scott doing a Merlin saga, a young Merlin saga for It uh, really excites me, honestly, but it it scares me at the same time because I think a lot of times Disney with these franchises get these bold ideas and then we just get kind of like a half franchise. Like I 
I get scared that it could be like a Lion Witch in the Wardrobe situation or a Percy Jackson situation. Yeah. Where we're gonna get we're gonna get one movie, it's gonna fall on its face, and then that's gonna be that. Uh, Silver Chair is supposed to still be coming out, man. Yeah, uh, get out of here. I'm not bullshitting you, man. It's supposed to be coming out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good reboot point too. That's but it's a very a, it's a new studio. Very good new starting point. It's a new studio doing it, so um, what uh, about- I'm excited though. I, I'm a huge Ridley Scott fan. Uh, Sword in the Stone is one of my favorite Disney animated series. Uh-huh. Um, what the BBC did about a decade ago with the Young Merlin series yes. was fantastic. Loved it. Loved that was a good show. Oh, I, I love that show. show. Yes. Yeah, I think there's a there's a, a lot to tap here. This is definitely a keg worth tapping. I hope they do it right. I hope they focus on making one great movie that's so great we have to have more yeah. instead of worrying about trying to establish a franchise that they'll never have. What do you think, Rebecca? Yeah, I was actually, Jake, you said it before I could, but I thought about the Disney movie Sword in the Stone, and I thought, like, with, with uh, that focused on a young King Arthur who pulls the stone, pulls the sword much, you know, much younger, and then Merlin as his guide, and I, I thought, I mean, why not? Disney's been doing these live-action remakes, and not that I'm saying that this is a remake, but it's in that same sort of vein or idea um i think this is a really good idea i like the i I like that they have the writer who's worked on lord of the rings and the hobbit i think that that's going to give it a certain feel that we expect from like a lord of the rings type movie um and then i mean ridley scott i mean he's done a lot of really awesome action uh films and i i think this is a good idea i think this is i think this is really smart and um I'm, i'm excited to see it Disney. I'm wor- the only thing I'm worried about is Ridley Scott. I'm worried about creative. You think dif- it'll be like like too toned down or or, or too too watered down? I'm Disney? worried about creative differences happening. Uh-huh. I, I, you know what I mean? It's. I think Ridley Scott is such a versatile director. Like if you look at his library, I think he knows the task and the job at hand. Yeah, but you're you're, you're, you're dealing with two two different entities that are ego based. I mean, Ridley Scott rarely gets told no. Right? I mean, it's it's Ridley Scott. Yeah, and but Ridley Scott's not going to come in and try to make, like, you know, one of – he's not going to try to make Gladiator for Disney. Like, I feel like he, he's a, he knows the deal. I'm not he's saying gonna- it's going to happen, but I am saying that we have egos involved here. And we've got – you've got Disney – and Ridley Scott. This is not like Disney hiring like some up and coming di- young director or whatever, and them just being able—I don't know—just being able to say, oh, "Okay, fuck this guy. We'll bring on Ron Howard." Um, This—I don't know. It's just—I'm worried. I—I I am worried about that in a way. I guess I don't know. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's interesting yeah. though. But I I really think that um, Ridley Scott and Disney have the p- potential to have a really great working relationship too. Yeah, well, I, I hope so because I'm really intrigued by this. That's why I wanted to talk about it, and I can't believe I missed this in the news that really Scott yeah. teaming up, possi- possibly teaming up with Disney. It's not 100% confirmed, but I mean, with the with them hiring that particular cinematographer and uh, that production designer, which are guys that usually work with Scott, it's an indicator that Ridley's going to sign on to direct this Young Merlin saga. Disney, which I think, like these, the, the, and these, I mean, we're only a couple movies in deep, like with like the Beauty and the Beast and with the Jungle Book. But these these live action um, Disney films have worked out really well for them. 
Yeah, yeah, until Guy Ritchie says, hold my beer, and he fucks over Aladdin. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I never – how is that guy – how is he getting work like that? His story should be mo- way more like street level and grounded. Like how is he getting King Arthur and fucking Aladdin? This makes no sense. Yeah, I, I hope Aladdin's good, but I honestly think it might be one of Disney's biggest missteps in yeah, the last decade. I agree. To give such a like – honored classic movie especially with the passing of robin williams in the last decade yeah like they really should have made sure that this thing was something special and i'm sorry but just hearing guy Ritchie's name is a turnoff for me yeah did you guys hear about uh this uh cowboy ninja viking (laughs) project (laughs) are you guys Cowboy Ninja Viking. It's based on an image comic book from A.J. Lieberman and Riley Rosmo, and they're making this into a uh, feature film. Um, it was actually being talked about back in 2014, and they finally have their director for this project, um, and they've hired Michelle McLaren, who has done a ton of TV, but she's never done a film. To my knowledge, she was hired on to direct Wonder Woman, but she left over creative differences. She's done Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, and then she did the first episode of The Deuce and uh, on HBO, which was actually my TV show of the year. I think Michelle McLaren is incredible, and um, I'm hearing that Chris Pratt actually pushed for a female director, and they've uh, signed on Michelle McLaren to do it. Cowboy Ninja Viking... Um, was optioned back in 2012 for the film. And they had David Leitch and Chad Stahelski, the directors for John Wick, attached to direct this at one time. And the series revolves around a counterintelligence unit of multiple personality disorder patients formed by psychotherapist Dr. Sebastian Gislain, who are transformed into agents known as triplets. Uh, referring to the three different personalities inside their minds. It's hinted that this is possible through experimental psychiatric conditioning and treatment, psychotropic drugs, and past life regression therapy. After the unit falls apart, its various members are turned into hired killers. Duncan, who's going to be played by Chris Pratt, a triplet who channels the skills of a cowboy, ninja, and a viking, and he's the oh my and the most effective assassin assassin they, the program has ever had is sent to stop and uh, kill uh, the rogue triplets. So basically, um, people that have these multiple personality disorders they've they found a way to turn them <laughs> to to break off their they they can turn them into physical manifestations of each one of their of their um, Personalities, and Duncan happens to have the personality of a cowboy, a ninja, and a Viking, and he's set to kill other rogue triplets. Um, this is fucking a, a crazy concept. It's based on a comic that I think came out in like I think two thousand nine. Uh, I never read it, um, but I, it, the production's going to start this June, and this movie should be out next summer. Um, they haven't confirmed if Chris Pratt's going to be playing all three roles or if they're going to be hiring other actors for those roles. But, um, this, this, I don't know. I don't know. This sounds crazy. Um, I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm on my excitement for it. Um, I, I, I love Michelle McLaren and she's, 
and I love Chris Pratt. So to see those two work together is cool. Um, I just hope they have something here. I don't know. Yeah, it's such a wild franchise. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be one of those things. It, yeah. Like, I hate to compare it to this, but it, it makes me think of, like, the Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah. Or, you know? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. Hansel and Gretel, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's a very odd genre type of thing for her to do. So hopefully hopefully it's a hit. Hopefully it looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope it's good, too, man, because I – Michelle McLaren is like, this is like, for me, this is like a college coach that like has done really good in like, you know, um, the college, but like now they're bringing them up into like, here's the big leagues and like, they just stick them with a shitty team, you know, like a shitty Mm -hmm. pro team. Like you've seen like this guy like excel with a great program in college and then he's coaching a shitty NBA team and then he's gone. Back to the small time. Exactly. And that's what I'm worried about here. It's because like I really enjoy Michelle McLaren's work. She's great with Breaking Bad, great episodes of Game of Thrones and the deuce, man. She, she fucking killed it in that series. I just don't want to see like her first movie be something that doesn't translate well to film. I just don't know if like, people are going to be talking about Cowboy Ninja Viking <laughs> next year. You know what I mean? Like, as for as, yeah. as, as charming as fucking Chris Pratt is, like, I don't know if this is going to be, like, if we're going to see, like, people going nuts for Cowboy Ninja Viking. Rebecca. Yeah, it's going to be a tough sell, I think. Do you have any thoughts on this, Rebecca? I mean, I'm just like, wow, Cowboy Ninja Viking. Yeah. That's, uh, like, it's just so out there. It almost seems like it would be better served as, like, a series on stars or something. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it would be better served in that vein. That's but, a great point. But, I mean, it seems like they're trying to go, I mean, we can't really complain about Hollywood not going after original ideas we see them doing that a little bit more i mean they're adapting birthright now they're adapting this and yeah and and i mean in that sense it's good because they're going after something new this is not some other bullshit reboot that nobody wants so that's good but it sounds like they're relying on the charm of chris pratt to carry this film that's what it sounds like to me um and hopefully he can I mean, people love him in Guardians. They love him in Jurassic World. Hopefully yeah. he can carry this one, you, too. You bring up a great point, though, and I want to kind of like – let's – okay. If they announce like Cowboy Ninja Viking on stars with like Walton Goggins. Direct- oh, God. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. Directed by right there. Show, your show, and your showrunner is going to be Michelle McLaren. She's your showrunner. She's directing the first episode and, and a couple and maybe a handful of episodes. Yeah. I, I would I'm be. Sold. I'm, I'm sold. sold. I'm, I'm sold. on board. But you're telling me it's a Chris Pratt film, Cowboy Ninja Viking. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That, that's so weird. It's like sometimes hmm. I feel like cer- certain stories need to be told. They're better served. Um, you know, on the small screen in like a, uh, yeah. story, like you get more of the story when you're, when you're watching it on television. So. Yeah. I like, I, I hate to compare everything to this, but it's just so damn good. Like what they've done with American God yes. and what they've done, what they've done with even Legion on FX. Yes. I mean, that is perfect. Can you imagine if they tried to make American Gods a movie? It would have been a mess. Oh, fuck no. It would have been a, no. a huge mess. I don't care if you have Ian McShane in it. It's going to be a huge mess. Yeah. But you put it on stars and, and it makes sense as a series. 
you can give it more time per episode to really develop that storyline. And I feel like I need more, this would be I need more perfect. cowboy. I, I, I feel like I, Christopher Walken saying like, I need more cowboy, yeah. cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I, I feel like this would be better on the smaller yeah. screen. There's yeah. certain things that are better that way. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. Fantastic Beats uh Fantastic Beats 2. Ah, I can't say this. Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts. Beasts. They're delicious. Fantastic <laughs> Beasts 2. Uh director director David Yates has revealed that in the sequel at least uh, that uh, Dumbledore's sexuality will not be explicitly revealed. Here's the quote with Entertainment Weekly. Quote. He said, I think all the fans are aware of that. Uh, He had a very intense relationship with Grindelwald when they were young. Men, uh, they fell in love with each other's ideas and ideology and each other. Uh, So he admits uh, in a quote, though, uh, that that it won't be addressed in the film. Um, and and my, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Like we had this recently with Valkyrie and Thor Ragnarok. That you know, after the fact that the movie comes out, we find out that she's bisexual. And the same thing happens with Admiral Holdo in the Last Jedi, who was actually revealed that she was gay before the film came out. But nothing comes from the film. And I, I, I understand some people will say like that should not define the character. I totally understand that. I don't think that there, that that should define the character. But if you have the nerve to bring it up, it needs to be somewhere in the narrative then. It feels like a real cop out yes. here, I gotta say. Yes. Cause like, to me, it is part of the narrative, like already. Like, it's never explicitly said in the books. Yes, once J.K. Rowling came out and said that it's the case, yes. like, it's obviously there. Like, it, She's not lying. It's true. And at this point, it seems like an important plot point it to does. why Grindelwald became so intensely bad in the first place. Right. Like, it really seems like the Dumbledore Grindelwald breakup has at least something to do with that. And to not establish any of that seems a little bit weird. Is, are they going to not establish that just in the second film or 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 could they could they explore it in the third or the fourth film i mean i I don't know it feels like they it feels like they really just don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole because they don't want to alienate certain audiences which is kind of what's really Mm -hmm. disgusting to me because i that really shocks me coming from maybe i'm wrong i'm just making up allegations but that shocks me from jk rowling as outspoken about her politics as she is yeah that we're not like going all the way with this like yeah. it's let's have an official canon harry potter product come out and say dumbledore is gay what's the fucking hold up yeah yeah i agree rebecca what are you what are you thinking about this um uh i am not a harry potter person yeah uh, every time every time i say that jacob harman threatens to break up with me <laughs> i'm sorry jake i'm just not a harry potter person yeah i i i, I think as far as making a character gay if you say that you should do something about it and address it in the in the movie um but beyond that like i can't speak to like what it means for other characters because i just don't know enough about the franchise yeah i don't know it's it's one of those things where like i i want him to do it in a tasteful way to where it's like you're just not like uh making a character gay just to make them gay i i i you need to when you when you tell it in the story, it it needs to make sense. But I feel like there's been missed opportunities um, in the Marvel films 
when you call Valkyrie bisexual and there's really nothing in the story to 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 show that, um, then it's it, for me it's really not canon at that point, Jake. I mean, you can say it, but it's not canon because I have seen yeah, nothing I, from it. I, I agree. I agree. And, and it's, it's, I, you know, I, don't know. I feel like it's really important for the Dumbledore thing. Yes. For them to get it out there in an actual Harry Potter product, right? Other than just J.K. Rowling saying it on Twitter and Pottermore. Yeah, I mean, okay, we we all talk about like representation, but like if you don't represent that in the film, and there's nothing explicit, you know, there's nothing explicitly showing us. There's real no, there's then there's no representation. There's no change. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's very disappointing to me, yeah. honestly, and I, you know, Fantastic Beast One wasn't a Tupperware by any means for me. So it's like the more and more I hear about two, it's kind of just like, ugh, I'm worried that it's not going to be great. And I want a movie with Dumbledore and Grindelwald in their younger years to be fucking awesome. Yeah. Like on paper, that sounds awesome. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I, I think they're kind of they're kind of weak for not addressing the Dumbledore stuff in this movie. I, there's never been a better platform to address it than in this timeline. And to completely ignore it is pretty fucking bullheaded, in my opinion. Agreed. 100%. I couldn't say it any better. Um, I read this on Deadline. Men in Black spinoff filming, uh, filming. Let's see here. F. Gary Gray and talks to direct sci-fi franchise. Uh, F. Gary Gray is the choice to direct the Men in Black film that will relaunch the franchise for Sony and Amblin. Negoti- negotiations are underway towards a deal. So basically, they're talking about F. Gary Gray, the director from Street Out of Compton, directing a. I, I, I don't know. It's it's not necessarily a, a reboot. Um, they might address the other films, but you're not going to have characters like uh, Agent K and J showing up in these films. Um, Sony is really wanting to do this because they've noticed that they had a lot of success with Jumanji. Jumanji killed it in the box office last year and it's still making mm-hmm. money. Um, Jumanji uh, uh, recently, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Jumanji surpassed Wonder Woman in the box office. So, yeah, I saw wow. that. Yeah. So who would have guessed that? Who would have guessed that? It made a shit ton of money. It was the, the perfect... Uh, perfect storm it was a perfect creation of like putting these different actors together on the perfect franchise and it made a lot of money so now um sony has kind of like abandoned that idea that they had of like taking you know what was it jonah hill and channing tatum the guy you know who they they were going to have the 21 22 jump street guys you know join men in black and they've totally abandoned that idea now they're going to have if gary gray Take over Men in Black. What are your guys' thoughts? Are you are you excited, looking forward to this, or are you over Men in Black? Uh, I'm a little bit over it. Um, I wouldn't turn my nose completely at it. I, I, I think F. Gary Gray is very talented. A very he's also a very versatile director and does a lot of different variety of, of projects. So I think he's kind of perfect for this, mm-hmm. but. The franchise does make me yawn a bit at this point. I gotta really? say. Okay, Rebecca. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm kind of in, in, in Jake's camp here. I. I'm not gonna hate a, a Men in Black spinoff movie. I enjoyed the first two Men in Black movies. Um, the third one that that was the one with Josh Brolin. Is that right? Yeah. 
yeah. I, I like that one overall for sure. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of like down, down the middle on this thing. Like I won't, I won't turn my nose up. I'll go, I'll, I'll probably go see it. And I like, I like who they've gotten as the director. Um, I'm just wondering if this is a case of like maybe waiting too long to, to do this. Like maybe this would have been relevant, you know, five years ago. I don't know. I, I think Men in Black, the first movie still holds up today. If you watch Men in Black, the first film, I think it still holds up. I think it's like, yeah, I, 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 I would agree with that. I think it holds up. I think it holds up. And I think like it, this is, uh, I'm not going to say it's Ghostbusters, but it, Ghostbusters holds up today and Men in Black still holds up today. And I think that there's something here. Um, they've got a good director, F. Gary Gray. Um, I think that there's still a lot of stories, a lot of fun stories that can be told in this Men in Black universe. Um, I I think it really comes down to casting. If they can nail the casting, mm-hmm. if they can nail mm-hmm. the casting, I'm all for this. I think that there's a lot of fun stories that they could still tell in a world where guys are uh, you know tracking down and interrogating aliens that are living on our planet. I, it's it's a fun concept. I don't think that it's it's an old concept. I really loved the first movie. Second movie was terrible, but the third movie was was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I think if like they announce tomorrow, if if there's an announcement like, oh, guess uh, we've got. Um, you know, uh, Donald Glover and Aubrey Plaza have been cast in, um, 20, in, uh, Men in Black, uh, the reboot. I think people are gonna get a little bit more excited than they are now mm-hmm. with just this initial announcement. I think it comes down to casting announcements. Um, but, uh, I, I am all for this if they can nail the casting. I, I <laughs> I really do that think this is a fun world to explore. And so, I agree. Um and the ca- that's a great point about the casting. If they don't have people that can play off each other and yeah. have that chemistry. Yeah. I, I think it, this is just kind of vanilla and like a million things we've seen before. Yeah, but if they tell me like oh Jonah Hill and uh you know uh, Danny McBride or some of these guys have been cast in the film, not necessarily as the men in black, but like people that work within the organization. Like if I start hearing like these really cool casting announcements, I'm all for it. I'm like, yeah, let's see what you guys can do. I, I'm re- cause, uh, I don't know, man. I really enjoyed those men in black movies and just to see like some of these aliens come back and like some of their situations, it was really, it was fun. It was fun watching like, you know, Tommy the Jones talking to these aliens like, ah, oh, you, you know, you shouldn't be here. What are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be here. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just like cracking up. Like, you know, Will Smith, like helping this woman give birth to like this tentacle baby. That, that shit was fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. It so was yeah. good. they tell That's me good. that I want to cast, I want to cast Charlie Day and Lawrence Fishburne. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not even saying like you got to go like old and young, but man, that's that's a good that's good. I like that. I see. I would go Donald Glover and like Donald Glover and Charlie Day would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, uh, that'd be fun. Uh, see here, hey, Doug, can I get can yeah. I get a quick break, real quick? <laughs> of course you can. Thanks. Why would I ever stop you from a breakity break? <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. You, cher- you cherish this break, Jake. I want you to, I want, no, I want you to just hold this break and I want you to hold it tight. Never, never let it go. All right. This one's for you, buddy. <laughs> 
Greetings, Leftover Army. Pop Culture Leftovers is the people's podcast. They're always looking for new writers and YouTube reviewers to join the team because they themselves aren't talented enough to write them. In all honesty, they're not even sure Frank can read. But their listeners can. So send your reviews to popcultureleftovers at gmail.com, and if the leftovers like it, they'll contact you, and you could see your article featured on popcultureleftovers.com. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Leftover Army. You should follow the leftovers on Instagram at instagram.com slash popcultureleftovers and on Tumblr at popcultureleftovers2.tumblr.com. If you get a few shots of vodka in you, it's almost as sexy as my voice. That's gangster. Boom, we are back. All right. How was that break there, Jake? Oh, thanks. I needed it. Oh, I'm glad we took a break. I got the <laughs> chance to talk about I got uh, talk about I got the chance to see the uh, Mission Impossible Fallout trailer and it looks fucking incredible. Just going to throw it out there. Looks fucking incredible. Cannot wait to see. Yeah, what, what, what was the big stunt? Oh my god, there's uh, what big stunts? Oh my gosh, there's a, he's of course he's hanging off a helicopter. That looks like the big stunt that they're showing off there at the end of this one. But um, there's uh, multiple stunts that look amazing in this one, and the the fighting choreography looks really good. And um, he's at odds with Rebecca Ferguson's character in this film. Um, gonna get to see and i don't know i'm excited i am excited to see uh henry cavill in this film too so i don't know this it looks really good it looks really fucking good um let's see here uh we're still in news i want to talk about this uh we talked about this a couple weeks ago this jj abrams sci-fi drama that uh hbo and apple were bidding on and it looks like it's landed at HBO, and we have a name to the series. It's Demande, Demi. Oh, excuse me, Demi Monde. And this show, um, let's see here. It's going to be the first episode. Is actually the pilot episode is being 100% written by J.J. Abrams. So this is like he has not written uh, a, a television show since Fringe, I believe. So this is kind of a big deal, and um, it's a it's the it's an epic. They're calling it an epic and intimate sci-fi fantasy drama. This is that one that I talked about with the what was it with the um, the mother is in a coma, and then the daughter starts to um, look into some of the mom's experiments and projects, and finds out that her, there's this whole other world that exists, and she starts to fight these other forces and things like that. So um, yeah, it's a uh, it's center around, centered around a world's battle against a monstrous oppressive force. And so it's kind of a big deal. And um, HBO is getting this one. And I think this is, yeah, uh, this is HBO's third series with J.J. Abrams. The first, of course, being Westworld with uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy doing that one. There's an upcoming series called Lovecraft, Com- uh, Lovecraft Country. And then this one. Um, so, I don't know. That yeah, I think the J.J. Abrams HBO relationship has been a very good working mm-hmm. relationship for both yeah. parties. Um, yeah. yeah, and I'm excited. J.J. Abrams brings a lot to a pilot. I mean, even if he doesn't 
stick around and hold the thing's hand the whole way, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, I think he yeah. is really great at starting these new universes up. I mean, Lost is still one of my favorite shows of all time, and that's kind of what he did there was just help launch it and yeah. then let Lindelof and Q's kind of take it from there. Yeah, but even with – I mean, even – yeah, with Lost, he was there. But, like, even with – um what was it? Westworld. He was just a producer. And it's basically, I mean, that's basically like Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy's baby. This one, he's actually writing the pilot. So I think that's kind of a big deal. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Um, Demi Mond, I think there's a, I'm trying to think, uh, I looked up the definition for the word. Yeah, it, 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 it means half world. Yes, huh. but it also deals with – did you see that definition that deals with prostitution? Did you see that? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, hold on. Oh, actually – oh, no, no, you're right. Yes. Um, the class of women considered to be of doubtful morality and social standing. Yeah. A group of, a, a group of people considered to be on the fringes of respectable society. Right. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the show is going to deal with, but it's, like, it's kind of a weird title. Um, but oh, yeah. Interesting. J.J. Abrams doing another sci-fi show for HBO. So I don't know. I don't even know anything about Lovecraft Country. This is the first thing I'm hearing about Lovecraft Country. Have you guys heard about that one? No, that's interesting. Just like a kind of combination of all Lovecraftian ideas into like one show. Oh, I don't know. I have. I'm looking it up right now. Lovecraft Country. Uh, a young African American travels across the U.S. in the 1950s in search of his missing father. Wow. Yeah, writers Jordan Peele is the creator. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Based on a novel by Matt Ruff. Is so is JJ just a producer on Lovecraft Country? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Doesn't even have him attached, really. Series cast and crew, producers four. Yeah, here's J.J. Abrams. Wow. That's crazy. Jordan Peele doing an HBO series. It's a drama horror mystery. Holy shit. Man, we got some really good things to look forward to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Jeez, that's that's a huge J.J. Abrams with Jordan Peele. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Right, yeah. All right, let's uh, move on into uh, Marvel news. Marvel news. All right, let's talk about the... uh Ant-Man and Wasp trailer, which, like, honestly, I thought, like, this would be, like, the big thing to talk about this week. Not really. I mean, in the scope of things, we've got, like, holy shit, like, uh, the, the Hot Solo trailer dropped. We got this Cloverfield news. Like, it feels like this Ant-Man shit's been kind of, like, pushed by the wayside, but it was a big deal, I guess. Like, what did you guys, uh, what did you guys think about this? Um, Rebecca, wh- what did you think about the Ant-Man and the Wasp trailer? Yeah, I watched a couple of times after it dropped. I would give it a solid taste. It. Um, I'll be. I'll be totally frank. Like I. I liked the first Ant Man movie. Yeah. I didn't love it. I thought yeah. it was okay. Um, 
So I'm not like over the moon for a sequel at this moment. Uh, not to say that I won't see the movie. I will see the movie. Um, I thought the trailer was fun. I thought it showed us, uh, you know, just enough. I don't think it showed too much, which is good. I'm just not personally super excited about a sequel. So for me, it's, it's a real middle of the road taste it. Um, I am interested to see like how Paul Rudd's character will be post civil war. Um, all the changes that I'm sure he's gone through. This will be post infinity um, war. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Post infinity war too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see like a, how his character has changed and how it's affected him. I'm, I think it's cool that they're introducing the wasp and her costume and all that. Um, I, I'm just hoping that there's not like a ton of Michael Pena in this with his like, well, this is what happened. This is how it went down. I, I just, I hope there's not a ton of that in this yeah. movie. Um, I, I give it a taste. Cool. Jake. Yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> Rebecca kind of stole all the words out of my mouth there. I, I'm right there with her. Um, solid taste it. Nothing really knocked me out of my socks here. Um, I, too, hope there's less of a Michael Pena presence in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what? The, I hope we can make Paul Rudd a little bit more Paul Rudd than he was in the first Ant-Man. Um, I think Civil War nailed that, just having a minute for the 8 to 12 minutes he was in it. And somehow the entire movie with him, it never really like felt like the the vehicle for him that it should be. So I hope they kind of capitalize on that a little bit more in the second movie. I don't know why Michael Pena is the comic relief when you got Paul Rudd's right. Yeah, exactly. One hundred percent agree. You don't need Michael Pena comedy relief when Paul Rudd is the comedy relief. Like he's he's so damn funny and charming. Just let him be Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah, it, very weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, you know, like, go back, listen to our Ant-Man review. I, I gave it a taste. It, I thought it was fine. Um, didn't reinvent the wheel here. And, uh, this trailer is more of the same, really, for me. Um, it was fun, I guess. Um, small things that are supposed to be small are now big, you know, and then big things <laughs> that are supposed to be big are now small, you know, like, that's, that's Ant-Man. <laughs> Um, you know, that's what, that's what we got here. Oh, Pez Dispenser. Ah, it's huge. It's huge. (laughs) Oh, watch out, Mr. Motorcycle Man. It's Pez Dispenser. And then it's like, and then it's like, oh, look look at that. Look at that building. It's fucking, oh, whoa. Michael Douglas is carrying off that building like it's a luggage thing. He's pulling it away. There you go. All right, cool. Whatever. Um, you know, that's, I don't know. It looks fine. Uh, I think that it's only going to get better with the introduction of the Wasp. So I, I think that'll help. Um, I, I don't know. Um, we can break it down a little bit. We saw in the trip. I'm going to give it. Yeah, I'll give it a taste of it as well. Taste it. Yeah, we're all right so, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we see at the beginning of the trailer, we see uh, – Scott Lang, he's on like house arrest now. He's wearing this ankle bracelet. And some people are speculating that the ankle bracelet might actually have tech that keeps him from shrinking. So we'll find out if that's the truth or not. Um, so, um, the law is actually they're after Hank Pym and Hope Van Dyne as well. Hope says in the trailer that they're all on the run. Um, we see Hank Pym shrink down that office building that they were, that, that was set up and then he rolls it away like a piece of luggage. Uh, we get a shot of, uh, 
of a machine in a lab. It looks like uh, it looks like um, the machine looks to have like engines on the back of it. We see it later in the trailer. Uh, we'll talk about that. But to the right of the screen, you see a Duracell logo. And so I was like, what the fuck? It's so so from like a Duracell battery, like a Duracell battery. And so like later on in the trailer, you see um, this machine with the engines like literally like I, it's either going through someone's body or it's in the quantum realm. I don't know. It's one of the two. Or, mm-hmm. And it's like swimming around. It reminded me of like inner space, like that 1980s film. That yeah. Inner mm-hmm. space. I it's, love that movie. I do too. So yeah, it was it. Uh, is it Dennis Quaid and Martin Short? Martin Short. Yeah. Yep. That's a great film. Really yeah. Good. That's a great movie. And this actually. is what, it's a fun movie to watch. So the Duracell that we see at the beginning of the trailer, I guess, is like what powers it when it's small. It's powered by a Duracell That's battery. Really funny. Um, and then we get a shot of someone in a in a lab wearing a white suit. They're in a glass room. There's these energy beams that are pulsing around them. We see a similar glove. Later in the in a scene with a person wearing them on a motorcycle, which is the which is the chase scene that they filmed in San Francisco that we see later in this trailer. Um, so whoever this is in this white suit is probably the villain that we see later in that chase scene. Then we get our first shot of Lawrence Fishburne in the film. Um, I forgot he was in this movie, but apparently he's playing Bill Foster from the comics, who's better known as Goliath. Um, and in the comics, that character is infused with pin particles and he could grow in size and he has, you know, superhuman strength and everything. But yeah, that's cool. Lawrence Fishburne's in it. I like that. Yeah. I was just trying to cast him in Men in Black. So yeah, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne. And, and, well, he's Perry White in the DC film. So now we've got him in the Marvel films as well. So he joins, uh, you know, like, uh, Ryan Reynolds. It's like somebody that's played a DC character and a Marvel character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, not not too many people in that class. Uh, we see Hope and Scott in a chase scene with a van, and the van has the ability to shrink and grow in size as well. And then it shrinks and speeds up under another vehicle, and then grows and sends the other vehicle flying into the air and crashing. <laughs> I thought this scene was ridiculous. Yeah, the, the, I'm excited for the uh, car chase sequence. I think a lot of fun could be had there. Yeah, I thought mm-hmm. this. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I thought this was ridiculous though that the the really small van could go the same speed as I. It didn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. I thought it looked stupid. I thought it was silly that the really small van could could go the same speed as like the regular size van go up under another van and then when it grew it just kind of like slingshot the other van into the air <laughs> I was like this makes no sense I don't know the physics here is weird um, we get uh, a shot of Scott as giant man looking at you know citizens in the city um, we get a shot of the villain ghost and um, ghost in the comics uh, was a data engineer for a major computer corporation and the brainchild behind Ghost Tech, a series of computer chips that phased into an intangible state before overheating, yet could still function in the state and hold an incredible amount of data. He infused his body with Ghost Tech after being screwed over by his employers. 
Um, he's also in the comics. He's worked for Justin Hammer. So I don't know if we're going to get an appearance by Sam Rockwell in the films, but we could. He plays Justin Hammer. Um, he's bad. That would be amazing. That I, would Justin be, Hammer was one yeah. of the best part of Iron Man 2. Agreed. I, I agree 100%. He was, he was great in Iron Man 2. Uh, Ghost in the comics has battled Iron Man. He's been a member of the Thunderbolts. Um, he's skilled in electronics and computers as well as firearms and explosives. Uh, he has been known to leave taunting messages that are virtually impossible to trace. Ghost can also go through firewalls and internet security easily and hack into even the toughest networks with ease. His suit is designed for stealth, primarily via cloaking device. It enables him to become intangible. He also is able to make other objects invisible and and intangible. In his early battles with Iron Man, he upgraded his suit to mask sounds, including his heartbeat. His suit can also be set to disrupt and override electronic devices via touch. In addition to his suit, Ghost uses portable intangibility circus, uh, circuits. Uh, Ghost in the film will be portrayed by a woman, Hannah John Kamen from Game of Thrones. She played Ornella. She's also in uh, Ready Player One as Finale Zandor. And she's also been in, episode, in an episode of Black Mirror. So... Huh. Um, I don't know. I'm not too familiar with the actress. Like, even though I've seen like her in Game of Thrones, I couldn't like tell you who Ornella was, and I don't remember her episode of Black Mirror. And we haven't seen Ready Player One yet, but she's going to be in that. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with who that is at all. We get the uh, kitchen knife scene in this trailer with Wasp. Uh, we see Evangeline Lilly fighting. Uh, we see her wings. We see her guns. Um, we see them using the size grenades in the car chase scene to enlarge that Hello Kitty Pez dispenser to knock that villain off the motorcycle. Um, I don't know. There's there's a lot in this trailer. I just wasn't like blown away by everything that I saw. I do hope that the ghost villain is going to be better than Yellow Jacket because I was not overly impressed with Yellow Jacket at all in that first film. Yeah, I think that's a fair criticism. So I'm hoping that we get a lot more of it ghost character what was that what's going on there I have no idea somebody well, do we lose someone yeah no, good so. i just heard a little a cute little noise that was fun you've got mail <laughs> yeah mm. anyway the black panther world premiere was this week and uh we have confirmation from variety that there are two post-credit scenes so there's a mid-credit scene as well as a post-credit scene I wanted to bring that up, so stick around. If you're one of those people that leave right after the movie ends uh, in a Marvel movie, you're a fucking idiot. I don't know what – like really, right? Can, <laughs> yeah. Can I just yeah. say that? I, I laugh every time. Every fucking time. Who the fuck are these fucking idiots? Like like do you are – you, are you those same people that think like, oh, shit, you're at the stadium and you're like, oh, my team's down by like 12 points with like, you know, three minutes left? I'm going to leave so, uh, you know, it's easy to get out of the stadium. And then your team ends up winning. You fucking moron. You should have stuck around. You missed the best game of your life. But anyway, are these those people that, like, just wanted, like, 
hit the fucking like they want to get out of there they want to beat the traffic like what the hell i get like every time i go to a marvel movie and i see people leave as soon as the movie ends i'm like where are they going i want to stand up no i literally want to stand up and say hey there's two post-credit scenes what's wrong with you Right, Jake? Come on. You, you, oh, you, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not the biggest fan of them, but I, I, I obviously am. I have the monkey on my back, and I have to see what's going to come next. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you got. Of course, you got to point out that you're not a fan of them. You, you, and of course, fuck, I do. You and fucking James Stupid. Mangold. You and fucking James Mangold. Did you see? <laughs> did you Did you read that show shit this the, week? Show me the movie. <laughs> This stupid after credit stinger. Oh, they do it. They do it in comic books. They do it in comic books. Oh yeah, I turn a hundred pages of credits, and then I see one more panel. Oh god, you 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 you're about as bad as James Mangold. The anger in your voice right now sickens me. Jesus, it's annoying. It's an annoying. It's the one thing DC movies have right. I love it. I I want more of it. I want more of it. Honestly, I I want a mo- I want Marvel to come out with a movie that's called post credit scenes, where it's just it's literally all just a bunch of post credit scenes. And I, oh God, Jake, I want that movie to piss you off so much. I won't. I won't even go. See- <laughs> Oh God! I want yeah. you know what I want that, and I want their I want their strategy to be just to drop it on Netflix unannounced. <laughs> Post credits. It's going to be after the. It's going to be at the end of another Marvel movie. And you didn't even know it was coming. You didn't. You got to stick around. You're yeah. sit your ass down for another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> you aren't going anywhere, motherfucker. Oh. Um, God, that would be the worst. <laughs> oh, that'd be the best. I would but, love but, it. <laughs> but like seriously, James Mangold is like so angry. Yes, he is. <laughs> he's like, oh my god, he's like hulking out how angry. No he shit is about Tulsa. It's crazy. Yeah, all right, James, get off your fucking menstrual cycle. Jesus, he was <laughs> so he was yeah. so pissy about it, wasn't he? At least I haven't made movies with post-credit sequences. Uh, fucking, I don't know. Just James Mangold. Yeah, his his, his statements were like like I didn't even hear him saying it, but like I could I could in my head I could hear how angry and hateful he was towards post-credit scenes. Yeah, was it the ten it was plus pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it was it's pretty ridiculous. It was. Honestly. Yeah. I don't know, and then I, and I li- I'm literally podcasting with a James Mangold right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I loved that story. I was like, eh, I, he's not quite where I'm at with it, but but I, I like what he's saying here. A bit. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, let's see here. So I wanted to talk about some of the reactions that came out uh, from the critics that have seen the Black Panther film. Um, now, keep in mind, guys, that these, the, the reviews for the actual film are embargoed until February 6th at 9 a.m. So that's when I'm going to be basically on the Internet uh, to find out if this film – I'm guessing this film is going to be 90 percent or above when it hits Rotten Tomatoes from the sounds of it. But um, – here are some of the Twitter reactions from the film. Uh, Jen Yamato of the Los Angeles Times says, Black Panther is incredible, kinetic, purposeful, 
a superhero movie about why representation and identity matters and how tragic it is when those things are denied to people. Uh, the first MCU movie about something real. Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger had me weeping, and he's the villain. This surprise – this – well, I mean, like I, I – I, the second statement is amazing. I can't wait to see it for the villain. But like the first statement actually surprised me. Like I 100% understand like this movie and Marvel is really going all out with like representation. But like – I didn't know the movie would address that. He, th- this, this, this review actually says that the movie basically talks about how tragic it is when those things are denied to people. Representation and how identity matters. Like, I didn't, like, yeah, I, that's I knew. super cool. Yeah, I, I knew the representation was in the film. Like, they have gone above and beyond with casting, you know, black actors in Hollywood. For this film, which is amazing, but I didn't know that they would actually address it in the film, right? Yeah, that's surprising. I mean, obviously, you know, the, with the casting and everything they've done with the soundtrack choices, their yeah. representation is there. Yes, but I, I completely agree with you, Brian. I didn't realize it would be an integral part of the story as yes. well. That, which is very cool. Very cool. Um, Natasha Alford from uh, of the Grio said, uh, if you don't understand the power of representation, imagine growing up never seeing a superhero who looks like you. When American Girl Dolls came out, I always picked Addie who had to escape slavery. But now kids have Black Panthers, Nakia, Shuri, and Okoye. Dope on many levels. Um, Rebecca Theodore uh, Vachon of Entertainment Weekly said, um, Black Panther is everything I wanted and so much more. Ryan Coogler has changed the game for the MCU. My God, Shuri, played by Letitia Wright, is absolutely delightful. I love that Shuri is so at ease with her brilliance and genius, and her scenes with T'Challa are so funny. Lupita Nyong'o and Denai Garai bring the heat in Black Panther. Their action scenes had the audience cheering and clapping. I loved every second. Um, Geeks of Color... Uh, tweeted, Black Panther is the best MCU movie ever. I was blown away from start to finish, and I'm not even being biased. This was by far the best Marvel movie to date. Thank you, Ryan Coogler. Uh, Stephen Weitraub from the from Collider said, Marvel does it again with Black Panther. Very impressed with the story and filmmaking. Michael B. Jordan absolutely kills it as a villain and is the best one since Loki. Also, Denai Garai kicks so much ass, and I loved every second of it going to make serious money i think they've i i I think that they are expecting a lot of money what was it like 400 million domestically now is what they're predicting oh wow yeah it's gonna make oodles of fucking money yeah um there's tons of other well peter serrata from flash slash film said black panther looks and feels and sounds unlike any marvel movie to date a visual feast. Wakanda is amazingly realized. The antagonist actually has an arc with an emotional, with emotional motivations. Marvel's most political movie. So good. Ryan Coogler knocked it out of the park. Some great sequences presented in a single take shot. If this movie isn't nominated for costume, art, and production design awards next year, I would be seriously shocked. Um, I don't know. I could go on and on and on. 
but I didn't read uh, anything negative. I'm very happy that it seems like they did it here. This is going to be a huge movie and possibly one of the boldest Marvel movies they've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I I agree. I think I think this is it, this is such an important film. This is such an important movie to make, and the fact that it's getting rave reactions from the critics, I couldn't be happier. Uh, I, I I bought my tickets the day they went on sale in IMAX because I just, I can't wait. I bought my tickets in IMAX, but I didn't buy them until a couple days ago because. I, I would have bought them the day that they went on sale, but like with my surgery and with my foot and everything, mm-hmm. I didn't want to. <laughs> I I was worried about getting. Um, I don't know. I was just worried about sitting down in the theater. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have to show up really early. It, you don't understand. Like I I'm walking around with crutches. Okay. So when I show up to a theater like that, I've got to walk up the stairs. And it's, I feel really weird with people looking at me on the crutches. Okay? Mm, and I, I got you. And I don't want to fall. And I want to get there super early because if I have to walk through the aisle with the crutches, I don't want to – there's no way for me to walk through the aisle with crutches that's going to be easy. So yeah, That sucks. Yes. Right. So I hear you. When I've been going to movies, I've been sitting in the handicap seating because it's mm-hmm. way easier. But – for this one, I was debating on whether I was. This would be the first Marvel movie that I would have missed in the IMAX theater, and it was it was bothering me. And so I find out that I from my doctor tells me that I'm going to be on the on February 12th. I'll be in the boot, and so even if I have to use crutches while I'm using the boot, I'm going to just show up to the theater like a half hour early and get to my seat really early. That way, I don't have to worry about crawling over people with the crutches. Because right. you can't miss Black Panther. I can't. Well, I'm not going to. No. I'm not going to. I wasn't going to miss Black Panther. I was just going to have to see it in a regular theater. I, I wasn't going to see it in the IMAX because I uh, see so you just weren't going to do it opening night IMAX right. all that stuff exactly. And I have to. I'm not going to let this be not the first IMAX movie that I see in the theater with like a crowd that's cheering and that wants to be there. Like opening night and then is ready. And um I don't want to be spoiled, man. I'm ready to see like like um you know I'm ready to see Wakanda on the screen realized for the first time. I'm ready to find out like you know, like uh what's 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 the deal with um Michael B. Jordan's character? Like why are people going nuts for this villain? Like Right. And um Right. Why is this villain gonna bring me to tears by the end of the film? And um, what's up with Bucky? I want to know what's going on with Bucky in this film. And and there's a lot of things that, that I want to see in this movie. Uh, I just can't wait. I Oh, God, the trailers. The trailers are fucking amazing. The music's amazing. The action's amazing. I can't wait. So I got to see this in the IMAX. Yeah, I agree. The, the trailers blew me away. The music they released this week blew me away. I, I cannot wait to see what Killmonger is all about and why fans or, or audiences are reacting the way they are. Critics, I mean, mm-hmm. are reacting the way they are to them. So yeah. it seems like they may have something here and it might not just be a bunch of hype. So I uh, saw this uh, Black Panther story on Screen Rant. Uh, Marvelous Realm shared a rather disappointing post made on Facebook by a group who want to do everything they can to lower the Black <sighs> Panther success. 
The group that consists of 2,000 members so far plans to strike back against their alleged unfair treatment of DC's films by pledging to give Black Panther a rotten audience review once the movie hits theaters. Not only that, but they plan on spreading spoilers to Marvel fans of their choosing to further take away from the film's enjoyment. What God, this the... is the most bogus fucking bullshit I've ever fucking what heard. What the serious fuck? Wow. Give me a break. You have that much time on your hands. You have that much time that you can form this Facebook group and decide that you want to spoil the movie and you want to lower the score on Rotten Tomatoes. Why don't you go do something positive with your life? Like, like seriously, it's just the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. Facebook it's Facebook stupid. fought back and they shut down the, the page. They shut down the Thank group. God. So I was happy to see that. Uh, but there are not all DC fanboys are, are pieces of shit like that. Um, there are some DC fanboys that thought that they that want to make a difference. There, uh, if you guys heard about the Black Panther Challenge, there's a hashtag, hashtag Black Panther Challenge. It's an ish- initiative launched by Frederick Joseph to raise money to take Harlem children to see Black Panther in the theaters. Um, he, basically, these DC they're D, they're DC fans, but they they do see the importance of this film and. Um, Lifelong fans of superheroes, brothers Shiraz and Zayon, know the impact of these heroes uh, can bring to children of all ages. And so they have started up a GoFundMe page, um, this Black Panther challenge, where they're raising money to take uh, young children to go see um, new, uh, in New York uh, to go see the Black Panther film. Even though they're DC fans, they're not, they're not assholes trying to spoil the film for everybody. They're not trying to lower the score. They're trying to do something positive here. And I think that, uh, they need to be commended for, for that effort. I think that that uh, is absolutely amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you search that hashtag on Twitter, Black Panther Challenge, you can find that there are local chapters in several different states. That's great. So, we we talked about that. Paul and I talked about that on Batcast last week. That if you um, you search Black Panther Challenge that hashtag on Twitter, you will find that there are local groups. So if you want to support your local Black Panther Challenge group, you can do that if you so choose to. I think it's a pretty worthy cause. So if you've got some extra dollars laying around and you want to help kids go see a movie that maybe they couldn't otherwise afford to go see. I think that's a great way to use use your money. Yeah, I'm. I actually started to go fund me so young kids could watch Slut Ever. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. I heard Facebook just shut that down as well. <laughs> and and I want kids to watch just just the the nudity scenes in Altered Carbon. Oh, I'm gonna throw in. I'm gonna throw in the gunshot violence too. <laughs> so. I think it's a good like I mean it was hard for me as a as a young youth to get good nude scenes when I was a kid. It was hard to find and I just yeah, wanna make you had it like police academy and porkies <laughs> yeah. and I just wanted to make it a little bit more accessible to the youth of today to be able to watch good nude scenes. Right? So You're the real hero here, Brian. Yes. You're the real hero. Doing right. God's work. Yeah. I think I, I think <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Uh, 
Let's see here. Whatever. Um, I got I got an article here. Screen Rant talks about uh, the Venom trailer possibly coming out within a couple weeks. They said the Manitoba Film Classification Board has officially rated the first trailer for Venom, indicating that the teaser will arrive soon. It will most likely arrive in the next two weeks so that it can be attached to Marvel Studios' latest MCU installment, The Black Panther, which hits theaters in just over two weeks' time. Are we really getting a Venom trailer, or are we going to get the official Deadpool trailer with this? Hmm, I don't know. Uh, I think they're a lot further on the Venom footage than we might be thinking. I Venom wrapped filming. Venom wrapped yeah. filming last week. I know that, but, like, do they – I mean, and they could have had, like, a teaser trailer – made like months ago for all we know i don't see any reason why we couldn't get a teaser trailer for it but i I, for me it just makes more sense that we would see a full-length deadpool 2 trailer coming out with black panther before we get the venom trailer but i we could i I don't think sony gives a shit about fox though in that aspect and they probably want to hop on that popularity train too oh no 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 i'm not doubting that man i'm just saying like if i if i were a betting man i'd say there's a chance that we're definitely going to get a Deadpool 2 trailer coming out. Um, but there's also a chance that we could get both. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Deadpool 2, higher probability, but I still think I agree that there's a chance that both could I, happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen movies not even rap filming and them have a teaser trailer for it. So th- there's – I'm definitely not saying like there's no way in hell that they can't have a Venom trailer, like a teaser trailer – out now they could definitely take some of the footage that they that they want to show us now and give us something so um kevin feige also talked about how um we he basically i'm not going to read the whole article here but he was talking to who was it that he was talking to they were wanting to find out when would it be Oh, he's talking to Variety. Like, how long it'll be before we start to see, like, you know, the Fox characters start to make their way on our screens in the MCU. And he's basically saying it's we've announced everything through 2019, so none of those would be adjusted. So it's post-2019 stuff. So he's Yeah, like, that makes sense. They don't yeah. want to just cram it in. They want to make it special. Right, exactly. Um, and then... Oh, yeah, and then the Gambit film is not going to start production in March. <laughs> uh, they, oh, no, what is that? I, I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. I want to see this get fucking made. I do. I don't, like, now you do, right? I do. I want to see it get made. The reason that I want to see it get made is we've been hearing about it for so fucking long that I don't want this to turn into like Superman lives where we've heard about it and it never gets made. I've got to see Channing Tatum as Gambit just to prove that this movie's going to suck. Right? So <laughs> I, I kind of want to see it. I mean, like I, I always was, I, I, I like Gambit as a character. So like when the movie was announced, I thought, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then all this bullshit about it kept getting delayed and they lost directors and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But now I'm like, Oh my god, like please just release it because I feel like this would be like the ultimate mystery science theater movie to riff. Like I just yeah. wanna watch I just wanna <laughs> see this movie so bad now. Those are all the worst reasons to want a movie. <laughs> but 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 that being said, I completely wholeheartedly agree. See that's the thing. It's like I uh you know, it's like I I believe that there are some movies that come out that can hurt the superhero genre. 
I think we can afford for this movie to come out, and I think this superhero genre will be fine. I think like with like Infinity War coming out and like the future of Marvel, I think we can afford to have one shit movie come out and it be okay. And if we if we can't afford that one movie, I think that this is the movie that I want to see. Like, I can't imagine not being able to see like the Josh Trank Fantastic Four film. That movie was so bad. Like, it should have never been made. But yet, mm-hmm. we were so lucky that it got made so we could watch what a piece of shit it was. Like, it's, <laughs> it's crazy that that movie got to the point where they're like, yeah, let's make it. Let's do it. And like, they, like, it came out. Like, we, we can watch that. Like, I can literally watch that movie, like, right now and bask <laughs> in how shitty it was. And I feel like, this is like one of those movies. Like they've been talking about it for so long. I want to hear Channing Tatum's Creole accent. I've got to hear it. Like I don't want. Like I don't want <laughs> this. It's gonna to, be so bad. It's gonna be terrible, Jay. Yeah. And I don't want this to go down as like one of those movie projects that never happened. Like you know, Superman Lives. Like, can you imagine if we could watch like? If somebody told me like there was a cut of Superman Lives that I could watch and I could see fucking mullet Nicolas Cage as Superman right now, I'd want to see it. And so 20 years from now, I don't want to always be wondering how shitty Channing Tatum's Gambit is going to be. I just want to see the movie get made. Just make it. Okay? He wants to do it. Clearly, they've been talking about it forever. Let's just fucking do it. Let's just make it. And I want to see it. It's I it's an itch that I gotta fucking scratch. So I gotta see it. Like <laughs> you know, like Gore Verbinski, thank God he dropped off the project. He's shit. But part of me would love to see him stick around. <laughs> so <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious. Gore Verbinski's terrible. Though, but like, you know, like if they were to cast like Chad Stahelski or you know what I mean? Like like the John Wick directors to do this movie, I'd be like, Okay, yeah, let's give this a chance. We're gonna at least we're gonna get some great action. But, um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if this, if this, I don't know if this is ever going to come out now. It's really not, I don't really think it's up to Disney. Fox is still running their company that the way that they would. So I don't know. I, I would highly doubt we get the multiple man movie with James Franco now after these allegations, but we'll see. So, hmm. yeah, that's unfortunate. Cause that really sounded like a fun idea. Uh, DC News. Let's move into DC News. I'll play this bumper. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. DC Quick News. Shazam has started filming, and Wonder Woman 2 is going to start filming this summer in the UK. Uh, let's talk about this story and then we'll end the episode. Variety reports Superman prequel series Metropolis lands 13 episode order at DC Digital Service. Uh, a live action Superman prequel has been ordered straight to series at DC's upcoming digital streaming service. Variety has learned from Warner Brothers Television and DC Entertainment. The series titled Metropolis is set in the famous comic book city before the arrival of Superman. It will follow Lois Lane and Lex Luthor, and Lex Luthor as they investigate the world of fringe science and expose the city's dark and bizarre secrets. It has received an order for 13-episode first season and will go into production later this year for a debut on the service in 2019. The project was considered uh, at Fox, where it would have served as a companion to Gotham, the drama about the about Gotham City. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, John Stevens and Danny Cannon will executive produce Metropolis. Both serve as writers and executive producers on Gotham, uh, with Stevens also serving as showrunner. So, uh, guys, remember that we've also, this will be the second Superman prequel series, uh, that's in the works right now, right alongside Krypton, which is set to premiere this year on Sci-Fi. What are you guys' thoughts on, uh, Metropolis? It's a, uh, series that will follow Lois Lane and Lex Luthor as they investigate the world of fringe science and expose the city's dark and bizarre secrets. I think this so far is leading the 2018 race for thing I least want. So I, I do not need this at all. I, it just seems like they're reaching here, just like whole stripped down version of whatever famous city their DC superhero is from, but without the superhero. It's just, I'm, I don't know. I find the idea very tired at this point. And I don't know. I'm not really looking forward to this. I'll check out the pilot, but I don't have high hopes. <laughs> Rebecca? Yeah, I fell asleep during your description of the show. It is so damn stupid. I don't understand why they're making it. Uh, who the hell wants to see this? I, I don't. Like, they investigate fringe science, Lois Lane and Lex Luthor, but there's no Superman? Give me a fucking break. This is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I understand, like, Lois Lane's, like, investigative reporting, but, like, why is Lex Luthor hanging out with her trying to figure this shit out? Exactly. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If I want to see Lois Lane and Lex Luthor together, I'll watch The Adventures of Lois and Clark from the 90s. Like, well, I'll watch yeah. that show if I want that. Like, like it's just so stupid. I get. I, I understand, like, Lois Lane's is, like, a, she's, like, a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, but, like... In our world, like, the reporters that report on, like, UFOs <laughs> and French science <laughs> are basically relegated to, like, like I, I don't know, like, National Enquirer and Star. You know, they're not taken seriously. Like, this whole concept is just fucking stupid. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I... See, it, at, at, at least with Gotham, like, you've got... A young Bruce Wayne, right? Like, at least with that, you've got some Batman. Yeah, but come on. I mean, that's like, that's like, like your characters, like the villains are like older. No, no, no. I'm not defending Gotham. I don't even watch that show anymore. I dropped off after season two. But I mean, at least like if you're going to compare it to Gotham, like at least that has a Batman archetype, a kid, a a Bruce Wayne kid. Yeah. But. I mean, you're not even giving me a young Clark Kent. You're not giving me a, you're not getting anything that's connected to Superman. You're making a show about the the city metropolis that I don't really care about, and two characters that don't mean anything to me unless Clark Kent Superman is involved. It's just dumb. How are the uh, okay? I want to see like I do. I I can't wait to see the pilot for this one. Um, <laughs> How how are they working? Like, how is Lois? How is that relationship between Lois and Lex? Like, are they working together? Like, I I honestly feel like what I'm worried about this show is like there's going to be like some like romantic tension between the two. Oh, of course there will be. Right? Of course there will be. Yes. Because what? Yeah, of course they'll throw that in there. And nobody wants to see that because the second that, you know, Clark. Kent Superman shows up, you know, puts the kibosh on that. And it's just so dumb. Like, it doesn't make any sense. 
Ugh. <laughs> well, uh, this is crazy because, like, this is like, like you know, we're getting this digital streaming service, this DC digital streaming service, and like, I'm actually excited to see like what they do with Titans, but like. If this is like their second offering, is this Metropolis TV show? <laughs> Jeez. God, giving you a break. So, yeah, not looking forward to it. Anyway, that's all I got this week, guys. This episode fucking sucked. I thought this was a really good. I thought this was a really good one, except I, oof, the, I don't. I we get a low score for sticking the landing on that Metropolis. Yeah, I, I don't know. I. I, I wanted to bring it up because it's, you know, it is news that came out this week. It is kind of big news, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. This is like, if they're wanting to sell me on a DC digital streaming service, I'm not signing up so that I can see Metropolis and I can watch Lois Lane and Lex Luthor figure out weird <laughs> fringe science secrets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a will they, won't they kiss show. It's it yeah, be, that's exactly what it'll be. It's basically the X Files set in the DC universe. I said the same thing when I saw this news. I was like, "Don't we have shows like this? We have the X Files. We have Supernatural. Right. We have Fringe. We have those shows. Just go watch those shows. Yes. Why are you going to watch this? It's a ripoff, and it's like the two. Like, oh, oh, but now it's Lois Lane and Lex Luthor. So now you got to watch. <laughs> Fuck off! Give uh, me a break. Yeah, this is this is the this is the dumbest thing ever, and I'm so mad at DC for making it. Like it's just, 13 episodes. That's pretty ambitious. <laughs> now, <laughs> now you just now got mad at DC. That no, I'm happened. I'm more angry at DC. I was angry before, but I'm more angry now. Who do they have <laughs> running this DC digital streaming service? The same people at Sony that thought an Aunt May movie was going to do well. I mean, like, uh. are you like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I do want to see a Titan series, but like. If this is the other kind of shit they're going to offer us, like, I'm even worried about the Titan series now. Like, what are they going to, I don't know. Like, ugh. I have no faith in this DC digital service other than the fact that I'll be able to watch Smallville and Young Justice season three on it. So, whatever. Okay. Cool. I don't know. All right, that's all I got, guys. Thanks a lot for joining me this week, uh, Rebecca. If people want to listen to more of you, where they can, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on the Animated Backcast with Paul Hart. We talk about Batman the Animated TV series. Um, we just did an episode where we reviewed not only the episode Prophecy of Doom, but also the DC animated movie Gotham by Gaslight. You can check that review out. It's up now. Um, I did a show with you, Brian, uh, Runaways TV Talk, about Marvel's Runaways. Yeah. That's all up on iTunes, etc. You can watch the whole series on Hulu and then listen to us talk about it. Um, you can also uh, hear you and me again with Joe and Rod on Number One Comic Books, which is coming out in March. Yes. So that's a, that's exciting, too. Looking forward to doing that as well. Yeah, I haven't even talked about that on Pop Culture Leftovers. Yeah, I'm going to be doing another podcast where me, um, Rebecca... 
uh, Rod and Joe Stark, we are going to review number one issues of comic books, current comic books that are coming out now. So we'll just be talking about the number one issues and telling you if it's worth it to jump onto that book or not. I don't think any other comic book podcast is doing that, so I thought that this was a pretty original idea. That's yeah, a great I think, idea. I think so, too. I think it's really smart because we're not reviewing every single thing no. that's out there, but it's rather like we each pick a number one issue yeah. and we break it down, talk about it, and do we think it's worth picking up the second one? Exactly. You know, Do you think it's worth investing some time in the series? And I think it's a darn good idea, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it with you guys. And, um, yeah, that, that happens in March. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Rebecca, always a pleasure having you on. Oh, thanks, Jake. It's always great to talk to you guys. I always enjoy that. All right. No post-credit scene in this episode, guys, so you can just shut it off right fucking now. That should be Yeah, because we're a fucking classy podcast like that. Oh, whatever. I love post-credit scenes, too. I don't care what you say. God, you... Garbage. Whatever. Garbage. (laughs) You're pissing and moaning about post-credit scene. Let me fucking... Let me go fucking home. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Just sit there. Better. Just sit there. Just sit there. Check your phone. Check your phone. Sit there. And, and uh, okay, uh, I got this text message. Da, da, da. Oh, more of the movie. What's going on? What's the future of this uh, franchise? Oh, oh, shit. They're doing that next movie. Cool. All right. Uh, I shouldn't probably bitch about this. Uh, I'm an asshole. <laughs> no, no, nothing I've seen in any of the post-credit sequences has really altered my 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 thoughts on them. Uh, <laughs> They've pretty much mostly all been bad, except for maybe the first one. Whatever, whatever. I do, I do not agree. With, I think there is room for post-credit scenes. I want more post-credit scenes. I want to. I want Marvel to come out with post-credit scenes. The movie. I, I cannot wait for no. post-credit scenes in the movie. The, the minute the minute Star Wars does one is the minute like I don't even know what to think anymore. Uh, I'm actually hoping that they do it now. I hope so. <laughs> I hope Star Wars does it. I'll be done. I'll be a Trekkie. I'll be. Uh, I'll jump over with Rebecca. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's going to convince you to become a Trek fan. That's hilarious. Trek Trek would. Trek would never do anything like that. Trek is way too pretentious to have a post-credit sequence. Mm. <laughs> That's oh, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. All right. Just like all good leftovers, say the doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent 
your leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the chaff and we're the chaff, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And you're the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.